This episode brought to you by the following patrons. Domasaurus, Taco Cat, Jeff, Awesome Possum Blossom, Amy, Matthew, William, Brandon, Dave, Scott, Tristan, Kate, Isaac, Ori, Karun, Eddie, and Nick B. We also want to shout out our You Can Get It level sponsors because it is that special time of the month when they get their monthly shout out. When they're ovulating. <laughs> I was going to oh say, I was God. like, the monthly visit. Oh, yeah. It's the monthly visit from our aunt. Patreon. Patreon. Yeah. Um, so so it, thank you all so much. You all can truly get it. And you are, this person's name is Tate, Tate, Tate. I don't know why it's listed three times, but it's listed three times all as one name. Tate, Tate, Tate's in order. <laughs> Tate, 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 Tate. Sorry. <laughs> Uh, we also have Edith, Lauren, Irene, Tyler, Tia, Laura, Juan, Jenny, Ashley, Richie, Lauren, Megan, Daisy, keep up the good work, Mandy, Alicia, Jennifer, Chris, and Veronica. And Chris and all the patrons want you to know that you're loved and you're listened to and you're a valuable member of this awesome horror virgin community. And if you want to hang out with all of us, please do so in the Facebook group and or the Discord server where we hang out and chat daily. Thank you all so much for loving the show enough to support it and help keep it going. We really appreciate it. Thanks for supporting my cocaine habit. And thank you so much for supporting Mikey's cocaine habit. Is that really what you want to put out there, Mikey? You're the fattest cocaine person <laughs> Wow! Have you ever heard of She Fit Page? Natalie loves them. I ha I have seen those. Day to day, they're a little tough to wear under your clothes. Oh, yeah. No, they're like, I mean, she's wearing them when she's working out. Yeah. The best part of my day is when she's done working out, and then she comes back in and goes in the bedroom, and I hear this, <laughs> man, I come running. <laughs> <laughs> Tuning into the Horror Virgin, I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your Horror Virgin, Todd, which means I don't like scary movies, but you guys make me watch them. And this week, the listeners made us watch The, the invitation. invitation. So, was this any of your first time with The Invitation? This was my first time. This was my first time. Yes, same. So, a bunch of virgins here. Nice. So, what were your first impressions, Paige? Let's start with you. Boy, yeah. Uh, this is a complicated film for me because okay. it is fantastic. It is incredibly well done. I have mad respect for the level of research that clearly went into it. Like they knew their cult shit. Yeah, because it's specifically about one, right? It's so it's about multiple, and they reference a couple different ones, which is very important. And I'm very excited to talk about it as we go through. Nice, and a lot in fun facts. And, and I cannot overstate, this movie is fantastically done. I hope I never see it again. Same. It made me so, so incredibly uncomfortable and angry yeah. that when the movie was over, I literally was like, I'm going to go in this episode and shit all over this movie. I'm so upset. I'm so upset. And it took me like 20 minutes to calm down <laughs> and then be like, as I was going through fun facts, be like, this is a fantastic film. Yeah. I just hope I never have to sit through it again. Yeah. But it's so good. It's in done amazingly well. Just oof, rough to sit through yeah. for different reasons than you, Todd. I think. I think we're both super uncomfortable with this movie for different reasons. Yeah, I mean, well, I'm sure that will be divulged as we start talking about it. Mikey, what do you think about it? I love that I'm dead inside, so I'll watch it again. <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I mean, I, I, uh, I've heard it was good. 
<laughs> oh, shit, I, I wasn't heard... expecting that. That really tickled me. I'm sorry. But, I mean, I, I think Mikey's right because I think Todd and I both have personal reasons why this movie makes us so uncomfortable. Yeah. And if I did not have that, I'd be all in it because this is a fantastically made movie. Yeah. So I had zero expectations. I, I mean, I've known, I've heard this was like a good Netflix horror film. Yeah. So when I watched it, it grabbed me. Unlike most films I watched lately, like I put my phone down. I was like really in the film. I think I like paused it to go to the bathroom and then like texted y'all and was like, hey, this movie's really, really good. I mean, it kicks you in the gut over yes, and it over does. again. Yeah. And no, I would not have stayed as long as those people did. Thank but, you. Yes. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I mean, like, I, I, I think the main character has a motivation to stay where he like barely gives a fuck about life at this point. He's like. I kind of want to see where this goes. And I think he was kind of worried about his ex. We can get into it later. I'm sure we will. I mean, Tom Tardy. I I mean, by the way, that's just (laughs) listeners. That's what we're going to be calling him. He's like Watrick Pilsen. He's Tom Tardy. Yeah, Tom Tardy. We should say his real name at least once. So I'm going to look it up because I was calling him Tom Tardy, too. Yeah, his name is Logan Marshall Green. So Logan Marshall Green, hot take, Tom Tardy, better actor than Tom Hardy. Oh, disagree, but they're both great. I mean, they're he's very, great. very Have good. You Bronson, though, like, but they're both great. I think this guy does brooding better than Tom Hardy, which is saying something. I will say that I really, really liked him in Upgrade. And I did, too. Also, he does a great job in this. He does. It was really interesting to me, Mikey, because you kind of implied when we were talking about this movie in our group text that you thought that there was a twist in this movie. And I called it from like scene two or three. Yeah, I was not at all surprised by what happened in it at all. No, I, I, I wasn't. There's no I wasn't. twist. I'm just sitting in anxiousness. But then like, I kind of was like, oh, it's going to do the back and forth of like, are they, aren't they a killer cult? And then by the end, I was like, yeah, that motherfucker was right. So I did not like this film at all. I hated it for many reasons, but I do think uh-huh. it's a great film. It's just because I've been through what I've been through and I don't like horror movies. And I do think that they do such an effective job. This is Karen Kusama. Is that who it- it's Karen Kusama? Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So I think she does a great job. Like she's an amazing filmmaker. I'm not saying it's not great. I just don't think the first hour of this is a horror film. I agree with you. It feels like it's a... Suspense. Yeah, suspense. Maybe thriller. I, I don't know. It, it feels more like this is what it's like to live with trauma and, and how people handle it differently. Your friends and your loved ones and like you as a person, how you would handle it differently, right? Love that part of it. Although that's the part of the movie I hated the most. Like that was the hardest part of the movie to watch for me. But when they were like, oh, wait, this is a horror movie. We got to shoehorn in some horror. I, I sort of like I didn't check out. But I cared less about the movie at that point because I felt like it sort of betrays what the movie's actually setting up for the first hour. And that's super weird. Like, now that I'm saying that aloud, like, that seems ridiculous because the whole time they're there, they're, like, setting up the are they going to kill themselves and everyone else or not. It just felt like the tone shift in the movie is maybe what I'm trying to say was so drastically different, it felt jarring to me. But it's a horror film. They've got to have some of that stuff. I understand that. I'm kind of with you. I don't even think the horror elements were horror. I think it was like a really good, suspenseful trauma film. Yeah. Yeah. And like I wasn't ever scared in the movie. I was very on edge, like suspenseful. Sure. It wasn't like scary to me. Yeah, I was anxious and upset, but not scared. And and in part because, and this, Todd, is where I think you and I experienced the movie very differently because there is absolutely a ton of emotional depth to how they're dealing with grief and how that's going. And that is one layer of the movie. Absolutely. 
Yeah. The layer that was bothering me was they depicted the way that cults get people so accurately. Yeah. That within a couple minutes, I was like, oh, no, everyone get out of the fucking house. Yeah. Because this is how this shit happens. And the more layers they added to it, I was just like, get out of the fucking house. They're going to kill you. Stop being polite. Leave the fucking party. Like where I was shouting at my TV and it was just making me so uncomfortable. And a lot of the like ways that cults get people are very, very similar to domestic violence or abusive relationships, I should say, where they love bomb these people. Yeah. And that's the like technical term for it, where they're overly familiar when they don't need to be. They make you second guess whether you're being rude or unkind when you are reacting normally. And having been in like a previous abusive friendship, I see a lot of those patterns. So it made me very specifically uncomfortable, which is why I pretty much never want to see this movie again. And also, fuck politeness, leave parties. Yeah, right. I actually watched this twice because we were going to record this earlier and then for whatever reason we couldn't. So we pushed it back a few days and I watched it again today. Man, that was a mistake. Yeah, I, good good luck, dude, because I, I debated doing the same Ugh. and then I was like, nope, <laughs> not going to sit through that again. Yeah, because it's, I mean, honestly, if you're in a situation like this, especially like that scene in front of the fireplace where they're like talking and they're like, let's play a game or whatever. If they're not there. I have there, so many notes on that. I know, oh. I know. But it, like oh. 100% if they are not like, hey, this is the uh, multi-level marketing scheme we're trying to rope you into. If they're not doing that, it is a cult. And I know cult podcast did a whole thing. I of- have left parties for so much less than everything Same. that happens here. I have left parties because they had shitty food. Yeah. I have walked into a party and been like, I don't know that many people here. And I'm not getting a good yes. vibe. I'm going to go watch a movie. Yeah. Especially if I was with my girlfriend. I'd be like, I'm not having fun. Yeah. Now, the main character... His dead kid lived there, so he's got this whole attachment to it. But, like, the other people, I would have been like, these people I'm not even friends with still. Fuck these people. Yeah, we should talk about that, too. We should, because I'm like, it's the house where his kid died. Yeah. If I got that invitation, I'd be like, fuck you, I'm not going. (laughs) Yeah. Okay, up front, should we have that conversation? Would you go? To this party. Fuck no. 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 That that would no. be like my ex who cheated on me saying, hey, yeah. come back to the apartment that we shared while I cheated on you. We're going to have a dinner party. I'd be like, let's no. say What? Let's say it's an amicable divorce and she never cheated on you. But like she's with the dude. Sure. And then like she's like, hey, let's all get together for a dinner party. There's nothing good comes of that. No. Dead kid aside, because I don't have that. I don't know exactly right. what that would be like. I don't think I would have wanted to go to that house anyway, especially if my kid had died there. I could see a couple getting together to share a moment or honor their child or things like that. Yeah. But if I got an invitation in the mail and I didn't like talk to that, like I'm an over communicator. I would need to talk a lot about like, what is this dinner party? You know, we have a very, a shared trauma and a shared past. You want to get all of our friends together. I'm going to need to know like what this is. And then I would have got a way better read on like how different she was acting. And I probably would have gotten a bad vibe and not gone. Yeah. Like to just go with a mailed invitation without even talking is. Yeah. Honestly, like if they wanted me to come to a party, I'd be like, hey, how about you just type up everything you wanted to say to me at this party and email it to me. And then I would immediately delete that email. 
<laughs> out of the three of us, you would be the least likely one to go to anything like yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Todd would definitely not go. I would never go. That's ridiculous. Yeah. Well, but let's just get into the movie so we can talk about it scene by scene. Because there's a lot to talk about. And I want to like talk about the culty aspect of it a lot. Yeah, yeah let's do it. Oh, there's so much to talk about yeah. there. Okay. So, what did you say his name was? Logan? Yeah, uh, it's a, a Hom Tardy. Hom Tardy. Hom Tardy. Okay. Yeah. Hom Tardy's driving with his girlfriend, Kira. Yeah. And they're talking in the car. They're driving up. It looks like Mulholland, uh, kind of up in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah, we know they're up in the hills at the end, so it probably is. And his girlfriend is basically like, hey, we don't have to do this. We can just go home. And he's like, no, like, we'll go. They basically talk each other into going. So they're even having this debate in the car. <laughs> Yeah. On the way there. Well, because the fact that they go at all is insane and the movie has to like justify it on some level. And this is them doing that. The second my girlfriend said, hey, we don't have to do this. I'd have been like, wait, we don't? Oh, that leaving. <laughs> this is ridiculous that we would even be going to this place. Well, I think the conversation they have right after this kind of gives us some context as to why they might go. So they've got the thick official invitation, which is weird. Ooh, girl, your invitation is thick. Ooh. Thick. T-H-I-C-C. Like four C's. I want to get up in your card stock. <laughs> oh, God. I want to make that envelope clap. Oh, jeez. Mm -hmm. <laughs> Lick you gotta it. lick you it first. Lick, oh! yeah. <laughs> lick it and stick it. Let's do this. I want to use my pen and make some calligraphy. <laughs> I like that he tried it, Paige. I saw your I face, know. but you got to admit that he, he swung. It's true. Swung for the fences. There's not a lot of <laughs> invitational sex jokes. Not yet. <laughs> so he mentions that he, he does think it's strange that... She's calling everyone out of the blue after two years. Now, I want to RSVP in her face. What? Oh, Mikey. <laughs> working at a golden shower joke. What happened? <laughs> Just because Paige was so serious. Mikey, did you forget that your mom listens uh, to this podcast and I no longer do edits? She does not listen to this podcast. She listens to the Romancing podcast. She just caught up to the episode where you made fun of my great-grandfather's diner and was pissed oh, and turned she, the episode off. She's so mad at me. I'm so sorry. Mikey's mom. I want to put my RSVP in her V. There you go. There you go. I'm, I'm using the other one, though. My plus six. <laughs> <laughs> you RSVP'd plus six? Inches. Yeah. No, I got the... Mikey, I got the joke. <laughs> Mikey, I got the joke. Aren't uh. we the optimists? <laughs> I was about to say, do they have half sizes? Um. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, so he mentions that they all met in a grief group. So basically, their son passed away years ago. They then joined a grief group therapy, and this is where they met all of these people. Oh, I got the impression that when they were talking about that, Hom Tardy was saying, my wife met David at the grief group that we went to. All of these other people, except for the cult members, who they don't know previous to the party, all of right. them were just their friends at the time. That's that's what I thought, Because too. they were at the party, too, or some of them were in the flashback scenes. They were, but also some of them, as we go around, mention the people that they've lost and why they were in the grief group. So I got the impression that this was the grief group, and that's kind of how they met most of these people. The only person who mentions they lost somebody is uh, John Carroll Lynch. I don't know. Oh, Pruitt is his name. Pruitt, but then also the girl who leaves 
early lost someone. Oh, did she? She doesn't talk about it extensively. I missed that. It Maybe doesn't it's a mix. super matter. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. But either way, the relevant information is that Hom Tardy and Eden used to be married. Mm-hmm. They lost a kid, went to the grief group. They met David. And then right. they got divorced and Eden and David got married. Right. And it doesn't necessarily seem like there was cheating involved. They don't really say yeah, anything Yeah, it, it seems clean break. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. Kira gets player of the game for being most supportive. Yes. Significant yeah. other. Yeah. And also she gets the trophy for being best with a solid trophy. the thing that kind of really nudged it more towards this used to be a therapy group is the way that everyone responds to him when talking to him about both the divorce and the grief where they're like hey we're all just going through it we're all here together that for me really read group that this was a pre-existing group that'll come into play when they play the game and i will explain why when we get there because that game is very specifically based on a real cult activity. Yeah, okay. That requires a 12-step group, I should say. Oh, okay. So uh, we'll get to it. 12-step groups, man. Yeah. They can be great, but they can also get touch and go, man. <laughs> they that, and, and that's exactly yeah. what happened with the group that they modeled that game after. So yeah. we'll talk to it. All right, cool, 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 cool. So as they're talking, he swerves the car and they hit a coyote. Yeah. Which is super sad because it's bleeding out, but it's still alive. And he ends up having to kill it with the tire iron. I don't know if I could do that. I don't either. The sound of it is brutal. Oh, it's so sad. And it's it's whimpering and stuff. And you just can't help but hug your dogs. It's so sad. But don't hug your coyotes. No, don't hug your coyotes. Yeah, they are not dogs. Although there is an ongoing joke in my neighborhood where people put up lost dog posters with pictures of coyotes. <laughs> That's hilarious because you guys have a lot of them there. I mean, we have some Tons here too. of coyotes. But you guys have a yeah. lot more in SoCal. Yeah. So I think this is really <laughs> interesting. It's kind of a juxtaposition of him killing the coyote and her feeling like, oh my God, I could never do that. Kind of contrasted with where she is at at the end of the movie oh yeah her journey's my favorite yeah her journey's amazing yeah Yeah. so he starts the car and they keep on driving and i just wrote in my notes i was like oh if we killed a coyote on the way to a party we're not going to that party that's what i was thinking i'm going home to cry (laughs) he's got blood on his face he should go home to shower not mikey's house because mikey doesn't have any water currently so he couldn't shower there (laughs) but he needs to shower blood off of him and then i mean i guess you could go to the party but No, don't go to the party. Anyway, they go to the party. Like idiots. Like idiots. It's in the Hollywood Hills, up by the Hollywood sign. That's a real nice place. It can be. I Well, no, I mean specifically the place they go to. Kira even says, wow, you used to live here? It's right off the PCB, next to the (laughs) beach, right? Yeah. I don't know if you saw it, Mikey, but they passed the airport on the way there. Oh, okay. (laughs) To me, California is just like Middle Earth. I just see this weird map and never know what everything is or where it is. That is clear. If I've learned anything from the Patreonicals, it's that you have no grasp on geography. (laughs) Yeah. Sam's got to help Frodo take the ring to the Hollywood sign in Mordor. (laughs) I'd watch that prequel. So they're in the Hollywood Hills and they drive up. It looks like Gower, where I my first job in film school as a PA was on a vampire film that filmed at a house right off that street where they had made the house look like a castle it was real strange i'll find the trailer for you somewhere uh the movie was so bad they filled in like half of it with stock footage it was really crazy oh man that's terrible 
Anyway, so they pull up to a gated house, and this house is like mid-century gorgeous. Yeah, it's amazing. I love this house. And as they're pulling up, he said, he basically says that Eden's family had a lot of money and it was never mine. Well, yeah, because Kira's like, man, you lived here? This was, this was your house? Yeah. And he's like, yeah. no, this was never my house. Right. This I lived here, but this was never my house, which yeah. I think also gives us some insight into, you know, maybe the relationship was not as equitable prior. Like may- maybe their their son dying was the icing on a cake that was already not doing great. I mean, he doesn't seem super broken up about his ex-wife being with David. He does not. He really doesn't seem to miss her all that much yeah. as much as he misses his family and his child. Yeah. Well, I mean, that, that makes sense if they had an amicable divorce. Yeah. I have met an ex's new boyfriend before and been like, oh, I feel bad for you. Also, yeah. like, um, <laughs> talk about upgrade. <laughs> Downgrade, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> He's trying to work in the fact that Hom Tardy was an upgrade. I see where his brain's going. The execution of the joke was poor, but I really like that you were trying to do it. That was You got to commit. I was like, I do agree. Kira is an upgrade. <laughs> so they go into the house and he has kind of flashbacks as they're walking in and around the house of what it was like when his son was there. Yeah, as he's walking up, he looks in the room and sees mm-hmm. a child, his child, playing in that room. It was real sad. Super sad. Yeah. And he gets to the party where they're one of the last people to arrive at this party. And I was instantly on edge because everyone seemed very, very touchy-feely. Did it bother either of you or am I broken? So if you haven't seen these people in two years yeah that's a bit much i think and it also seemed like the first time you hang out with everyone after like a tragedy in your life where everyone's like weird about it yeah well and and here's the thing we know it wasn't the first time right so it was that what kind of made it weirder i was like okay so maybe his group of friends could never like move past it you know because it was all like yeah hey man do you want to drink it was very very physical and i know that there are some people that that's how they express themselves and yeah i'm a hugger yeah yeah there are some people that are going to be a little more touchy than others but what struck me is that everyone was touchy every single person yeah i thought that was just hot like what people do in california no we would not even give each other the time of day or eye contact given the choice uh, we're not a nice people. They're not. I lived there for three years. <laughs> <laughs> I, I mean, but I, listen, I love Southern California. Uh, and some people were very, very nice to my girlfriend at the time. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Mannequins. <laughs> a few things struck me with this scene because it's clear that they have hung out since his kid died, but right. they have they stopped hanging out about two years ago. We don't really know exactly when that child died. But right. they all sort of stopped hanging out two years ago, probably around the time they got divorced yes. and she started dating David. I'm not sure if they married or if they're just whatever, but around that time. And that, to me, is very accurate. Well, she went to Mexico. She like moved to Mexico. Yeah, with David. She, she moved to Mexico with David for two years, which means for me in the timeline, this was their whole group of friends. Yeah. They got divorced. She went off with David. And then in short order, she and David moved to Mexico. Yeah. And that's why no one had seen them. Because David seems to be an accepted member of the friend group. He's not seen as an outsider. He's seen as one of them. Yeah. Which to me suggests that he was around. So I think the two years starts when they go to Mexico. Yeah, Yeah. I do too. But they stopped hanging out with Hom Tardy too. 
Yeah. Well, uh, the, everybody, because they went to Mexico and everyone else stayed here. Yeah. They just hate Kira. <laughs> I do think that they do try to be nice to Kira, but then once the cult stuff happens, I'm like, come on, you got to let Kira go. <laughs> like, she's not part of this. Yeah. <laughs> like, what are you doing? <laughs> Leave her out of it. My only point in bringing up the fact that the friend group stayed in California with Hom Tardy but still did not see Hom Tardy is because a lot of your friends will react to your trauma that way. Yeah. <laughs> the only way this movie makes sense is if this is the first party after COVID. <laughs> I mean, could be. Well, I, I interpreted it as sometimes when something bad happens to a friend, you don't know what to do. Yeah. So Gina even mentions that a little bit later. She says, I just didn't know what to say or whatever. And that's. Super common. Like, I have a lot yeah. of people that I was very close to when my brother died that just we did not talk again really after that. Probably because they didn't know what to say or stuff like that, which I, I yeah. get. Yeah, or say, like, your water gets turned off because you have to pay a bill and, like, your friends don't know what to say to support you when you're when that's happening to you. I'm, I'm going to say you're 36. Yeah. <laughs> That's on you. But when you go next door to your neighbor's place, who you have publicly stated on this show, you've made out with many times, and you say, hey, can I take a shower here? My water's out. She's going to be like, that's a lousy excuse, but yes. And I'm thirsty. <laughs> <laughs> she's th she's going to be thirsty for some Mikey. <sighs> no, I mean, you're absolutely right. It, because people ask me, one of my common questions when it comes up at parties of like what I do for a living, like crisis counseling and all that, like going out, like dealing with suicides and like tragedy and things like that. They're like, what do you, what do you, like the first question is like, what do you tell people? And I'm like, you like, you just listen. You like to actively like you listen. You know, yeah. If someone's going through a lot, you don't have to have the right words to say. You just have to like be there. You can like be playing Xbox next to them. They will talk to you if they want to talk to you. And you just sell, you just say, hey, if you want to talk, I'm here. If not, you want to order a pizza. And like that, usually that works pretty well. Yeah. My, uh, my mom and dad, I know I realize they're my parents, so it's different. It's not my friends, but my mom and dad would always do this thing for like the really like three or four years after Logan died, they would be like, hey, let's talk you start my mom would say that oh that's terrible <laughs> no i thought it was so cute and we didn't have to talk about it we could talk about whatever she just like okay you know uh and then my dad would come in and be like hey do you want to talk about it if not we could talk about whatever and he would just like be in my face about talking to me about whatever just like connecting on some level it was we never had to talk about the logan thing but sometimes we would sometimes we wouldn't but yeah it was it was great yeah. and honestly I would have loved it if my friends did that. And some did, some didn't. And some of those people who did, I still talk to this day. I will also say, independent of grief and tragedy, there is also a thing with friend groups where within a friend group, there are almost always certain individuals who bring everyone together to hang out. And if that person leaves, the group fractures and they're yes. no longer a group. Absolutely. So we don't know exactly what happened, but there's a ton of natural explanations, and so we accept it. Yeah. So Eden comes downstairs looking like a straight-up vampire. Like... <laughs> yes. Yeah. And, and I'm pretty sure completely naked under that dress. I mean, why not? Uh, yeah, to be honest, it's your last day. Do whatever you want. Yeah. It was very clingy, witchy fabric, and she was just, like, all up on people. I was like, damn, okay. So he tells her that the house doesn't look different, and they're also noticing around the same time that there's no reception and we get a couple different explanations from david but david at one point just says oh yeah we haven't had the phone lines hooked up here which almost makes me think like they came back they prepped the house for this night and nothing else because they weren't yeah. going to live there 
I think that's what happened. I, I find it hard to believe that there's no reception in the Hollywood Hills. Oh, there isn't. Like, the reception is terrible, but they don't even have landlines. That's oh. the weird thing. But also, Wi-Fi exists, and your phone, if it connects to it, can be used over Wi-Fi. Right. That's why I'd be like, okay, cool. Give me that Wi-Fi password or I'm leaving. I do that at my friend's right. house. Now, if I come to your house more than twice, if I'm there a third time, I'm like, you're going to have to share that Wi-Fi password with me. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I need my internet connectivity Especially if you live out in the boonies I'm not even coming over without that Yep uh, She wipes the blood off his face from the coyote And introduces David to Kira Everyone else knows David but Kira doesn't Yeah I noted that David was like a slightly cleaner version of Hom Tardy Yeah <laughs> Like I was like they're just different shirts <laughs> That's it I mean I thought he was a less cool version He's a more uptight version, I think. I yeah. like that guy a lot. He was in um, Haunting of Hill House. I think he's a great, great actor. He's great in this. Mm. But yeah, he is the, a cleaner version of Hom Tardy. Yeah. His beard's a little bit neater. He's, you know, whatever. It, it's clear that Eden has a type. Mm -hmm. Hom Tardy's got that brooding. Yeah. And there's a section of conversation here among all the other people at the party where they're all like, gushing about the wine and everything in the house and i just have in my notes these people are bougie assholes yes yeah, yeah. i was like oh this party sucks and i noted that it seemed like it was the start of an orgy and that that's <laughs> where this was gonna go if they were already all in the cult yeah probably so this is also where we get a comment uh, from Gina who's one of the attendees that her boyfriend Choi isn't there and he said he was going to be early for once and they decide to start without him I feel so bad for Choi Choi gets there too. early he almost escaped yeah he gets there early he's like shit work called I gotta do work he gets there just in time to be murdered it is the worst and I'm late to party, so, like, this would be me. It would be you. You are Mikey Choi. <laughs> <laughs> so they start to make, like, a toast slash speech. Yeah. Which is a little, anytime that happens at a party, it's awkward. Like, you know, it's a little, it always happens at least once. But the fact that we're kicking off a dinner party like this, a little strange. I mean, the fact that the house sort of has a 70s vibe to it, the Love fact it. that it's a dinner party with invitations, like I would not have at all been surprised if at the end of that toast it said, now all the guys put your keys in this bowl, you know? Yeah. <laughs> I was expecting either that or... Or him being like, welcome to our reunion. You're all special to Eden and special to me. And that's why we'd like to introduce you to an opportunity with Amway. Yeah, exactly. Like, that's yeah, yeah, what yeah, I thought yeah. it was going to be. <laughs> Have you heard of Advocare? Like any, any MLM. Yeah. We'd like to introduce you to this land in Mexico that we have been cultivating <laughs> over two years. And we'd like to build a resort. Yeah. Do you want to sell leggings? And I'll be like, I, I don't think this is for me. Is that LuLaRoe? <laughs> is, that, is that that one? Yeah. 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 LuLaRoe, which also, there's like offshoots under different names and stuff now. Because they got so much but, bad branding under them. Well, they're also, they've been sued multiple times. It's crazy. I heard your episode. It was bonkers about them. If yeah. this, if I was at this party and I did have cell service, I would definitely be texting both of you during this party. Like, Oh, yeah. And Paige yeah, and I would be like, sucks. get the fuck Leave. out of there. Get it's the fuck cult. out of there. You're going to die. No, you guys would be there too in this scenario. I'd be like, I'd be like, Doo -doo, and they'd be like, beep beep. I'd be like, check your phone. Oh, wait, you're <laughs> texting us also in the room? <laughs> yes. The second oh. this toast happens, I would have stood up and walked out. <laughs> so I, I actually questioned to myself how long I would stay at this party 
And my answer was the video is my limit. Oh, yeah. I would have left yep. after the video. 100%. If not, I would have left when the woman left. I would have been like, oh, someone's leaving. I've actually got to go too. Yeah. I, yeah. Uh, she definitely picks a good time. Karen Kasama, the director, uh, says that, you know, after talking to tons of people since this movie has come out, there's a very specific point that divides the group of who would leave and who wouldn't. Oh, interesting. And it's actually after all of that. So like, oh, wow. The three of us would have left much earlier than a lot of people but she has actually said that a big part of this movie is exploring how far you will go and how much you will endure in the name of politeness Mm -mm. it is surprising how long people stay i am impolite Um, af the do you want to know the dividing line now or yes. do you want me Ooh, to tell me tell me tell me tell me tell me okay so the dividing line is when Pruitt gives his speech oh yeah when the guy openly says hey I murdered my wife and spent seven years in jail yeah I feel bad about it please love me I'd be like oh this is yeah I'm gonna go now thank you so much I'm for this. fucking out yeah, yeah I'm trying to grab a knife in the kitchen and if I need to stab people on the way out I'm gonna do it yeah so as they're making this toast Hom Tardy sees another girl kind of shadowed in a doorway. It seems like she's not wearing any pants. Naked. That would be really weird to walk into. Again, this is where I would survive after a woman hits on me. I'd be like, oh, beautiful woman hitting me at this dinner party. You gotta get out of here. Oh, yeah. When he's in the backyard and she's hitting on him and she's like, you could fuck me if you wanted to. I 100% knew Mikey would leave in that moment. (laughs) (laughs) Everything in my body is telling me to get out of this house. Yeah. (laughs) This is also, this is our first cult reference. She gets dressed. She comes into the room now clearly dressed and is like, save a glass of wine for me. And they introduce her as Sadie. If you know your cult shit, you know that that is a reference to sexy Sadie, one of the Manson, Manson girls. girls. Yep. Yep. And that oh. would have, for me, I would have been like, cool. I'm not drinking anything else you hand me. <laughs> bye bye. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just picturing Mikey, Paige, and I standing up and just doing bye 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 and walking out like, <laughs> no, I'd have been like, guys, we have a pot emergency. They lost the episode. We have to go now. Oh, no. You guys have fun with like your uh, dead children and the trauma you're working through and your cult. And like the dinner that's not ready and all the other really great things that were going to keep me here for the rest of the night. But I have to go get Burger King and head home with them and do something important. Mikey, can I ask you, have you ever left a dinner party because the food was not ready and it was taking forever? Yes. Me too. I mean, I'm like, I'm like, it's 930. Like, I, yeah. I, I'm, I'm leaving. Like, I'm going home. You're crazy. Yes. I'm not eating at 930. I mean, I'm going to eat at 930 at Taco Bell because I'm pissed that your food took so long. They had like finger <laughs> foods and like the meal wasn't ready or whatever. And I was just like, you know, I'm, I better be hitting the old dusty trail. Uh, I'm not feeling so good. It's probably the hunger pains. the other thing about them introducing sadie at this point it really kind of lends itself towards orgy because she is very physically affectionate with eden oh she's clearly on like ecstasy or some shit she's very well we'll reveal that eden's on some stuff too but i i strongly suspected that they were a thruple oh yeah and that that's what was happening yeah they were not a power thruple like the three of us Mm. they were just a sexual thruple they introduce her as someone that they met in mexico and that she's staying here with us and helping us out and she just says it's fun we have fun and then she turns to will aka hom tardy and she's like 
she told me so much about you and at this point is the first point i have in my notes leave leave this party (laughs) fuck this party yes and if she gets within arm reach of you punch her and leave right if my ex was like here's the our threesome lady and then like we met her in mexico and i've been like (laughs) here's our threesome lady (laughs) our she-some oh i'm into it yeah I'd be like, this is a Friday. Like, we could, there's like other things I could be doing. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to be your spectator in this MFF threesome. So I'm going to go. I don't know. Oh, Mikey, you're down for that? You're down to watch? Oh, with all three of them? No, I just want to go. I can watch a threesome anytime I want to. I have the internet. <laughs> <laughs> and there's not the added shame and guilt of having to be there in person. Yeah, and they don't even talk to you. don't even have to talk to them. Yeah. And I get why Hom Tardy stays, because he's like, I just want to fight everybody and deal with my trauma and like just explode on everyone. And I'm like, that's fine. That's great. You can stay. I don't get why he stays at all. I don't understand why he went. My favorite is right after this, Kira tells everyone there's like a silence. And so Kira is like, man, we hit a coyote on the way here because she's a normal person. Right. Well, and everyone else is like, wait, what? Why didn't you tell us this immediately when you got here? That right? Yeah. Yeah. And they all start talking to Kira. And so Will is like, mind if I look around for a bit? And he goes to look around the party and leaves Kira with all these people. I'll just say this. If I did that to Natalie, she'd kill me because that's so mean. Like It depends on the party, but yeah, that I mean, can be rough. But Kira knows nobody. She just met everybody. Hey, I'm going to go ahead and leave you alone. Bye. It's 99% mean. But she probably had the conversation with him. He's like, I want to see the house where I had my kid and see his room. And like, okay. he, he's not like walking around the party, like talking to people. He's just like, hi, I'm traumatized and just going room to room having flashbacks, which is fine. But she probably knows a little bit about that. I Ugh. guess. And, yeah, and here's here's my thing. I am extroverted enough to hold my own at a party where I don't know anyone. And yeah. I still hate being left alone at parties when I don't know anybody. Uh, So he goes into the kitchen and he has a flashback to his wife's suicide attempt. Yeah. He's just reminiscing. Yeah. Oh, God. Just remembering the good old days. Right, Mikey? Yeah. And she sneaks up on him and she's very like, you're so handsome. You're both really beautiful. And this is the first place in my notes where I was like, is she on something? Is she she on Molly? She is. She's on barbiturates and she's mixing them with alcohol, which is potentially what killed Marilyn Monroe. So like, you know. Watch out. It's not good. I always thought it was the Kennedys. Or her doctors overdosed her and then covered it up. Anyway, so Eden is not all there, it seems like. Yeah. He mentions to her, like, oh, hey, you put bars on all the windows. And she's like, yeah, for, you know, security. And he notices her bracelet and he asks her about it. She says that they got them in Mexico. And he asks, is that where you've been this whole time? And she says, some of the time. And then she just kind of is like, so did you think about me? What's going on? And he's like, I mean, I know you, you're a friend, so yes, but also, like, I'm fine, and I'm fine being here in the house, like, but what's going on with you? Like, he, at this point, kind of confronts her about her being weird. Yeah. And this is where she gives her speech of, like, I'm different, I'm free, all that useless pain is gone, anyone can have it, and I want you to have it too. And I think this is kind of the triggering phrase for him, is useless pain, where I think yeah. that's the part that he really latches onto of like, our son died and it is painful. Please acknowledge that it is painful. I understand that you're trying to work through mm-hmm. and process it, 
but acknowledge that it happened to be like, oh, this is a useless emotion. I shouldn't feel it feels dismissive to him. I don't know that she is trying to work through it and process it. And I think that's what bothers him. Yeah. I think he knows what she is doing is she's just avoiding it. Right. Right. So as they're having this conversation, Ben comes into the kitchen and says that she's hot and hugs her, which, yes, consenting adults. But this is such a weird dynamic for friends. Yes. Especially because we know that she's married to David. Ben's married and kind of unhappy. It's strange. Their dynamic here is strange. Very. It is strange. Yeah. We're like, I don't know that I have many male friends that would walk into like walk up to me be like you look fucking hot and hug me and have it not be weird like if todd if you said this to me i'd feel a little weird sure but if i said it'd be fine i get it (laughs) no it would also be weird it's it's just not the relationship that we have yeah and then you can tell someone they look great without it being overly sexual this is overly sexual i I feel like the hug makes it overly sexual because Paige, i would fully be like damn you're hot like you can get it yeah or whatever but i wouldn't also like run in there and caress you you know yeah Yeah. that's the part that makes it weird uh, Paige, don't come any closer we can't hug i have a boner now because you look so hot that's That's the level of weirdness that this is (laughs) that is the level of weirdness that this is And as he, like, pulls out of the hug, she launches into this whole, like, pain is optional, it's simple, it's just changeable, you just expel it from your body. And I'll be like, you are no longer hot. (laughs) I do love that Ben is, like, giving her shit about it, though. He's like, yeah, it all sounds, like, made up. It sounds like stupid, crazy shit. And she slaps him hard. Yeah. I would have left if I got slapped. This is another yeah. situation. I would have left if I watched her slap somebody. Yeah, Mikey, if we were at a party and like our friend Maddie slapped you, I'd be like, we're leaving. Well, you and I are both leaving. <laughs> yeah, this party is done because <laughs> yeah. violence has entered the chat. Yeah. Like, it's, <laughs> there's no it's coming back bad. from that. No, no, there's not. And she then follows it up with like, until you stop making jokes, you won't learn. That's why no one cares what you think, which is like brutal. I'll say this. I make a lot of jokes. I learn shit every day. No <laughs> one cares what you think. I mean, clearly that's true. <laughs> this reminds me a lot of something called Tone 40 in Scientology. Did he sing the song Funky Comedano? No, that's <laughs> no. Tone Loke. That's Tone Loke. Nice, that's nice try, Tone Loke. Yeah. Funky Comedino. Funky Comedino. That guy's voice is nuts. I love it. Scientology has something called the tone scale, which we do not have time to get into right now. It is very complicated. Um, but one of the aspects of it is talking down to people who are not at your level of clarity <laughs> along the oh, along the path scale. The yeah, and along mm-hmm. the, the bridge. And when you do it, when you are directly critical of people in that moment to correct their behavior, it's referred to as tone fortying somebody. And this is kind of what this sounds like is her just like slap correction and then acting like nothing has happened (laughs) which is crazy (laughs) and she walks out of the room and ben instead of immediately leaving the party as he should turns to will and is like has she been like this all night and will's like yeah david too like they're both acting weird basically although we haven't seen them for two years this may be their normal now 
Right. I do love that Ben and Hom Tardy start talking, and he's like, hey, how's your wife or whatever? And he goes, I think we hate each other. Yeah, but the anger sex is amazing. So great. I can't get enough of it or whatever he says. Another reason I've been gone to my girlfriend and been like, there's a reason why we haven't hung out with these people in a long <laughs> right. time. It's- hey, Kira, I now remember why I don't want to hang out with these people and why I didn't see them for two years. We should go. Yeah. Right. Well, and they have a, a bit of a conversation of, hey, I understand that processing grief and pain is difficult but i feel like she's not doing that where they have this kind of recognition that like i don't think that's what's going on here but they kind of leave it and go back to the party instead of leaving the party (laughs) yeah they should have fully just left yeah yeah they walk back into the room and eden gives ben a glass of wine and just says i've let it go already and so should you Hey, person I assaulted, I've let it go. Maybe you should as well. Right. So Claire and Will sit down on the stairs to talk. And I think it's clear that they used to be close. They aren't as close now. And she's interpreting it as like, hey, bad shit happened in your life. You're going to need some distance. Yeah. But if you're ready for it, let's reconnect is kind of the vibe she's putting down and we find out that she is a professor and just got tenure got it or i guess a year ago and she had a party and will didn't come but it's all water under the bridge they're friends now but as she's talking he notices that david is on the phone with somebody yeah and they don't know who it is and they were under the impression that the phones didn't work so it's a little strange he looks out into the party and sees that kira is getting along with everyone and he and claire look outside and see a car pull up they think it's going to be Choi, but it's not. It's poor man's David Keckner. It is Pruitt. <laughs> I, I love this guy, though. He's an amazing actor, and he crushes it in this. They wrote this role for him. Oh, did they? Really? They did. Yeah. yeah which I, It's always interesting when we find out that a role was written for somebody. I think they did an amazing job here because he terrified me from the second he walked in the room. Yeah. Yes. He just feels so imposing this entire time. Even before he tells the story about his wife, he just feels very not right. Yeah. From the second he walks into this scenario my thinking was he's there to keep people there yeah he's there to be imposing he's he's the muscle he's the enforcer yeah yeah yeah. the muscle perfect yeah and yeah and i am no longer comfortable with this party yeah it is time to fucking leave yeah so they invite him into the party but everyone and everyone introduces themselves. Choi is still not there. And Gina's going to try and call him again. But they don't have any service and allegedly no landline either. Uh, but sometimes you can get a signal in the backyard. Yeah. Then David locks the door and Will calls him on it. Like immediately. He's like, no, why are you locking the door from the inside? That's insane. Because it is. It is insane. And and it's this idea of like, why would you need to lock it? Why couldn't people come and go as they please? Yeah. Like what? What's going on? And he says, oh, there was a home invasion and it freaked us out. And Will is like, I didn't hear about it. And David just kind of keeps giving him excuses like, what if there was a fire, etc. And David eventually is like, fine, I'll put the key back. I just keep the house a little differently. That's all. And it's my house. So knock it off, basically. Yeah. Yeah. What a dick. Yeah. I just it it was I mean, this was my first clue that no one's going to escape alive if they can help it. Like, it's all bad at this point. They send Will to go get more firewood and Kira follows or tries to follow. But Eden kind of stops her and is like, has he been like this a lot? He seems like he's doing badly. And I do appreciate that Kira kind of defends him and is like, hey, I think he's doing the best that he can. Like, it's it's a rough time, but he gets through it and he wants what's best for all of you. Yeah. So 
we cut to a voice flashback in the backyard and he turns out of the flashback and watches Eden through the window looking out into the yard. She gets something from her bedside table and then walks away. He gets the firewood goes back into the house and then goes to that bedside table, the drawer, and finds a bottle of pills. He examines one, puts it in his pocket, and then he runs into David on his way out. And David just says, come back to us when you're ready. Which I think is super kind for someone who is just going through your stuff. Right. I I mean, I'd give somebody a little leeway if it used to be their house, but... Sure. I mean, I guess he didn't see him rifling through that drawer where he found the pills and all that stuff. But still, I would be like, hey, this is our room. You mind not hanging out in it, please? Thanks. Right. I mean, David's a horrible dude, so fuck him. But, like, it would be weird. We get a flashback to Will and Eden in the tub having grown-up sexy times, and their son walks in on them. Yeah. And they're like, oh, no, now we're going to be the gross parents that got caught having sex. And it's but it's a cute little flashback. It is. Yeah. It just shows that they were happy together at one point. And what pulls him out of that flashback is a scream. He runs back to the living room. And I believe it was Gina or Claire screaming because they have now introduced why they call them all here to this party. Yeah. And it's to talk to them about, quote, the invitation i'm out i am out too i am there is a page shaped hole in the wall as i have run directly through it i'm squeezing it right behind it i'm I'm using that hole and leaving (laughs) name of my autobiography (laughs) mikey i meant it very differently than the way you use that you're welcome so there's some implications for what happens at the invitation uh that allegedly quote they all get naked in the jungle but we do kind of find out that it's a (laughs) a group centered around grief but sadie fully says yeah sometimes we did that it was awesome i love i love doing that sometimes yeah yeah. and david launches into something that scientology and other groups like it love to do which is to say no it's a science it's not a cult and there's a lot of smart people in a cult there are which this seems like the perfect time to talk about that because there are a lot of smart people in cults because joining a cult is not dependent on intelligence it's an emotional thing yeah cults find people at emotional lows they meet tangible needs that they have in their lives and that's how people end up in them they are manipulated they are deceived it has nothing to do with your intelligence yeah you could be a smart person in a cult it happens a lot like um shinrikyo had enough like physicists and chemists and stuff to make their yeah. own like lasers well lasers and, and, uh, and the human microwave well yeah oh my god the human and microwave sarin gas there's a sarin gas they were able to make their own sarin gas that blew me away like they they were a ton of smart people in that cult and every cult really i mean i grew up in one and there are a lot of smart people that are still in it because yeah. it provides a need for them yeah i i really it really bothers me when people imply that people are either a stupid to join a cult or stupid to stay in a cult right i'm like it has nothing to do with that right it has nothing to do with that there are so many other factors for why people join and why people stay yeah and it does not have to do with your intelligence so also if you have gotten out of a cult be proud of that it's hard to do and you're not stupid for joining one people do for any number of reasons and you should be proud for getting out And don't feel bad. Yeah. No, you've done something awesome. Yeah. And it can happen to anyone. Anyone can end up in a cult. So at this point, one of the other, I believe it's Miguel, says, my boss is into the invitation. It's like the new Est. And at this point, I have to have a tiny personal fun fact. 
Nice. Uh, EST is what's called a large group awareness training. It was very popular in the 60s and 70s. And they have changed. And there is kind of a modern version of it. They like to claim no association with them because they don't like being referred to as a cult. And that's why they tried to sue our other podcast, Cult Podcast. Nice. And modern day, we can't actually say their name uh, on any of our shows because of the things that they threatened us with legally. So <laughs> not Scientology. Can we say it? I wouldn't okay. if I were you. Right, well, if they find out, it, so. I would just say that they have a lot of groups in places that have famous landmarks uh, and it is a forum for people who have like-minded ideas. Allegedly. Allegedly. Uh, allegedly. Yeah, alle all allegedly. of these things are my opinions and are not uh, legally actionable in any way. Fingers crossed. Just like when we said Beyonce was fully 46 years old, not 39 like she claims. She allegedly. is 46. Uh, anyway, they reference that group and in I believe part of the reason they reference it is because it is very popular in Los Angeles where this movie is set. Specifically, that group, they do a lot of like workplace team building trainings. Yeah. Well, so did Nexium. Nexium was like yes. a professional development seminar and it just grew into a cult. And that's basically what this group is too. That yeah. They're referencing. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. And they do claim that's just a self-help group thing. And then they decide that they're going to show them a video. And at this point, I just have in my notes. Oh, they're at a sales meeting slash timeshare recruit. <laughs> <laughs> you think their video would be like really nice beaches in Mexico and like nope. a fun. You've clearly not been to Mexico. Beach resort kind of. I've been to Mexico, but it's only been to beach resorts. Th oh. There's a whole section of Mexico in the middle. That's not beach resorts. <laughs> yeah, why would I do that? I don't know. There's some cool stuff in the middle, but like. And also, Mikey, we live in one of the flyover states. We are that version of the U.S. What are you talking about? I mean, who? Everybody loves country music. Except for people who live here. <laughs> yep. Uh, I'm just saying that, you know, not the sales pitch I would have, you know, bitten on. If they were like, come join this cult. There's like naked orgies on the beach. I've been like, well, not for me, but I see the, I see the appeal. Oh. I mean, that has more appeal to me than, hey, we like to watch people die. <laughs> I mean, it's literally the worst recruitment video I've ever seen. It is. There's not one drone shot. Right. <laughs> not one. They needed to be on Pablo Escobar's island with jaw rule and actual catering, not right? just weird cheese sandwiches. That's how you get people. <laughs> you brought the fire festival into it. Dude, those are some of my favorite documentaries ever. I I'm love obsessed them with so them. much. Honestly, when the fire festival thing happened, I was like, "Good." <laughs> but you're right, Paige. That's how you get people. Yeah, yeah. You gotta suck dicks for a flat for of water. Evian water if you want to be a winner. Like, come on. But instead, they turn on this video and it's like, hey, do you want to comfort people as they die? And I'm like, hospice? No, I don't want to do hospice. I do want to say that hospice is a thing. There are people out there who are like death doulas and stuff. And they will like guide you through like the grief process for yourself dying or like someone in your family dying. Like that is a service people provide and there's nothing wrong with that. That's actually a really great service. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> like, yeah. That's, that's a good that's thing. That's great. That's great, Todd. That's not what this is. Yeah. That's not why I want 
to go to Mexico. <laughs> no, 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 yeah, yeah. I do feel like I should plug my mom's book because she does a lot of work in this space. Uh, and ah. she wrote a book called Transforming Death, Creating a Sacred Space for the Dying oh, by nice. Melody LeBaron, who is my mother. Great. I'm writing down that last name. Uh, <laughs> what was her pet and the street she grew up on? Um, <laughs> <laughs> Still trying to get my credit card information, aren't you, Paige? Uh, yep, 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 yep. <laughs> what we'll find out about this group is it's not so much about comforting people who are already dying. It's that death is the answer. Right. And I'm just here to say, if you play a video of someone dying and you don't fucking warn people that they're about to watch someone die on tape, fuck you. Yeah, I put a trigger warning before most episodes when we talk about heavier shit because it can be jarring for people. I, as part of a requirement in college, took a few criminology courses and there was one on murder and suicide specifically. And as part of it, we had to watch a documentary called The Bridge. Oh, we actually, man. Yeah. That have you is, seen The Bridge? Yeah, I've seen yes. it. Yeah, about the Golden Gate and people who uh, jump off yes. of it. Yes, and- we had to sign waivers of like, yes, I understand that I am going to see people die on film yeah. as part of this documentary. Yeah. And you could choose to opt out if you wanted to. It's heavy, man. For work, I watch a lot of the suicide attempts and, and like body cam footage and like b- bad stuff. Like, like but to, to learn and like, how could we intervene or change the bridge or like train people differently, things like that. But I mean, like, that's not stuff I tell people I watch because one, it's even weird to tell people. Like, yeah, but I'll be at my in my office watching it or like at the at work and people are like, what are you doing? And like, this is insane. I'm like, I- I'm sorry. I just have to do this. They like walk yeah. in and think you're like watching some live leak, like faces yeah. of death, like uh, type video. And you're like, no, this is actually my job. I'll pull yeah. clips and put it in trainings. I mean, but yeah. it, but you have to obviously warn people that that's the kind of training they're going to get. Because yeah. if I'm training about suicide, obviously it's a heavy topic. But like e- even then you have to do further warning because these videos not good. No. So the fact that they just like launch this shit at a party where people are already like four glasses of wine in. Fuck these people. Yeah. Fuck them to death. All of them. No. So here's the worst. Well, not the worst. The worst part is having to watch someone die if you're not ready for it. Yeah. The part that really bothered me was everyone objects where they're just like, um, I'm sorry. Did you just show us a snuff film without warning us? Yeah. The fuck is wrong with you? And then David is like, oh, no one's taking this the way we meant it. I guess you guys don't get it. It's about communion. And I'm like, I'm sorry. No, you're not going to like gaslight them yeah. out of the fact that you just showed them a snuff film without telling them that's what it was going to be. But that's fully what he does. Yeah. Yeah. It's really shitty, Paige. This is where I'm out of this party. Yeah. I, I, oh, party. I would be like, who else is leaving? I'm like, guys, I'm, I'm We're all going, done. right? Yeah. Like, I'm done. Like, just let yeah. me out of this house. Yeah. Let me go. And he kind of goes on to talk about how like he was grieving really hard but dr joseph one of the guys in the video freed him from that we've all been through horrible things uh especially what happened to like eden and will and will was basically just like don't you fucking bring my kid into this (laughs) like how dare you (laughs) which is completely understandable because you just showed a snuff film without warning anybody and now you're gonna be like let's compare that to the very personal tragedy of somebody at this party no run away bye fuck this party never speak to these people again there's no need it's bad go get burger king bro go get burger king you know who won't murder you later tonight burger king, the king. they'll do it slowly over 40 years where they clog your there intestines you and arteries but they won't murder you tonight my man 
Not tonight. The king plays long term. <laughs> <laughs> and there is a little bit of an of an altercation here where Eden is like mad that they're questioning their beliefs. And I'm like, you just dropped this on them like a rock and you expected people to just be cool. What's wrong yeah. with you? And at this point, he's kind of arguing with her like it's that easy for you to just abandon the hurt and the grief that we've been going through. What the fuck? And then the doorbell rings and Pruitt insists on answering it. And this is where Gina and Will end up talking. And she's just like, I'm sorry if I checked out. I was trying to give you space. And he's not paying attention to her. He is absolutely looking at who is at the door. Yeah. He sees Sadie in the corner and he's kind of rolling the pill around in his hands. And so he kind of gets some time alone with Miguel, who I believe is a nurse. We don't necessarily get a ton of information. I thought he was like a doctor. He's clearly in the medical field because he has. Right. Well, we see him later trying to like help people. Right. Right. Yeah. And he hands him the pill and just says, like, can you tell me what this is? There's a ton of them. And he says it's a barbiturate. It's phenobarbital, which, again, is one of the things that allegedly killed Marilyn Monroe. Yeah. They're not super common. I mean, like, it depends. Like, they are prescribed, but not nearly in the volume that they used to be. Yeah, they used to be a big illegal drug, too, like a street drug. Yeah. Yeah. Like Percocets are kind of now for a long time, but like in the 70s and 80s and 90s, not not now. Right. Unless you are outside of the United States. Oh, Oh. really? Okay. Well, and they were just in Mexico. Exactly. Where I think she just bought them. So Miguel and his partner pressure Will to come back to the party because they're like, hey, you're overreacting. It's not that weird. And I'm like, it is fucking weird. Yeah, it's (laughs) fully weird. But that's sort of the dance that happens this whole night. For him, it's like, hey, am I am I overreacting because of the things I've been through? Is that like what's causing me to feel like something is wrong or is something actually wrong? And that is something that someone who has been through a lot of trauma will struggle with. And like like that's that is something you have to learn to mitigate when you're in these types of situations. But honestly, always err on the side of your personal safety and caution. Yeah. Yeah. And these people are your friends, allegedly. (laughs) And if you have to leave, you could absolutely text one of them later, call one of them later and just say, I'm sorry, I was overwhelmed. Yeah, I think that that's understandable. You're in the house where your kid died. You used yep. to live there. Like, there's a lot going on. And to be like, I would feel very comfortable walking into the front room and being like, hey, I am overwhelmed. I got to go. I'm so sorry. I love you all. Let's do this again sometime, maybe at a different location. See you guys later. And absolutely and then like and then like him and kira had a good relationship so like yeah he could have been like am i overreacting or am i because he seemed like a decent communicator yeah honestly i feel like kara is amazingly supportive to even being willing to go to this party i think she's amazingly supportive and that she is throughout the rest of the night yeah fuck this party (laughs) i think kira is putting on a happy face and having a good time at this party for him i don't think she's actually having a good time i think if yeah i think if he had come up to her and been like we got to leave. She would have been like, yeah, let's go. <laughs> like, I think she would have been like, thank God. So this is where Miguel and Will have a conversation where Will is like, this is weird. Like, things are not right. And Miguel is like, hey, it was always going to be a little weird uh, because it's a long overdue reunion between friends with a couple of super weirdos that are kind of Manson-y, but it's L.A. and they're harmless. No, they ain't. In the city where Manson was not harmless. What are we talking about? Yeah, they literally murdered people in the Hollywood Hills, right, Paige? Yes. This this house is not far from where some of those murders occurred. That is the worst reference to make while at a party in the Hollywood Hills. Yeah. Take physical danger out of this. People's tolerance for annoyance and weirdness is not that high. Yeah. I would have gone. I would have left you. I'd have been like in sync and been gone. 
baby girl, you're all gone. I'd be like, hey, let's go to Texas Day Brazil. <laughs> <laughs> I'm going to give you the meat sweats. <laughs> let's uh, fogo de chow, if you know what I mean. Yeah. <laughs> let's go get all you can eat meat and talk about how fucking weird this was. Yeah. <laughs> yes. Gossiping about a really weird party is my favorite thing to it's do. It's the best. It's so much fun. <laughs> That's a way better party is wherever you go to have late night trash food after this party. <laughs> right. Anyway. Yeah. David from the second floor of the house basically says, I don't want anyone to feel like I'm trying to force my ideas on you. Let's all play a game that we used to play. And at this point, if I had not left after the video, I would be sprinting across the lawn at this point because what he introduces is a variation on something that is literally called the game. And it was popularized by a cult called Synanon. And I will talk more about that in fun facts. Nice. But it was specifically designed to break people down. Yeah. Didn't Synanon raid the Capitol on... No, that was QAnon, dog. That was QAnon. That's QAnon. Yeah, close. Synanon, <laughs> Synanon was in THX 1138. Oh, no Ooh. shit. Okay, I know you're talking about that. Yeah. Yeah. So, basically, they set up the game where everyone takes turns saying what they want, and you have to be completely honest, admit your desires, and anything is possible once you strip away social constraints. Oh, okay, okay. Let me, let me go first. Let me go first. Go ahead. I want to get the fuck out of here. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> I want to go home. <laughs> I want to go to Pink's Hot Dogs and I want to go home. But everyone at this party either wants to tell you a really sad story about how they killed their wife. They want cocaine or a blowjob. Those are the three options we get in this movie. It's insane. <laughs> I mean, if you're a guy like wanting a blowjob is like a baseline behavior. Yeah. I mean, like, I, I yeah, would just be like, you know what I want? All you can eat meat. Let's <laughs> talk about, about this party. Nachos. Nachos, Nachos and gossip. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I like when Mikey gets so excited he starts singing. And it's often about all you can eat foods. <laughs> <laughs> Look, I'm an emotional eater and I'm very happy. Hey, hey Mikey, I'd be right next to you at Texas Day Brazil being like, Did you see that picture? So <laughs> yeah, like, they showed us a picture of a person dying. <laughs> <laughs> Mikey would be there yelling at the guy bringing the meat because he's like, clearly this is on green. I want more. Do not skip the table. Find me the lamb and bring it to the table. <laughs> oh. So Sadie goes first and she's like, I want to tell everyone that I love you. And I'm like, bye. Bye, ho. Bye. <laughs> right? No. <laughs> I don't even tell people I love that I love them. <laughs> but yeah, she kisses Gina full on the mouth And everyone at the party reacts like Oh, isn't this sexy Like hey, they A total stranger just invaded her personal space yeah. And kind of assaulted her a little bit But she seems cool with it yeah. So we're not gonna be weird Absolutely Th This I knew at this point It's either gonna be a porno film Or a horror film Depending upon how the ending goes Right? Right, so right. This feels like it's gonna start to become an orgy very quick I'll be real with you. If I was Gina, I would be very upset. Yes, I would be pissed. I don't know you. Don't touch me. Don't come near me. And no. I don't know who or what has been in your mouth recently. <laughs> Please don't yeah. put your mouth on me. Yeah. And then Gina goes next and is like, I want some cocaine. Why not? And then they give her cocaine and she does it. And then Pruitt steps up and he's like, I want to tell you about my wife, Margaret. And I... Fully murdered her. Yeah. About the dishes. But I miss her a lot. And I'll see her 
when I die. That's a super common belief. A lot of people believe that. Hey, that's not the part I have a problem with. The problem I have a problem with is you invited a stranger to this party and then they chose to tell all of us that they were essentially a murderer and we're just supposed to be cool with it. I don't think they were essentially a murderer. They are a murderer. I think it's technically manslaughter, but oh, it doesn't okay. matter. They're that's, a murderer. Yeah, sure, fine. And he's just like, that's just the way it is. That That's my truth. That's my information. In the off chance I was still at this party page, I would have turned to you and been like, we've got to get the fuck out of here. Oh, yeah, like, you overpower him, you knock him over, I'll grab a knife. Like, yeah. I mean, I would have immediately turned to Mikey and been like, we have to talk about the podcast immediately. Yeah. (laughs) I mean, that is a code (laughs) we have used at parties (laughs) before. Like, (laughs) it is one of those things where we just, like, we're we're leaving now, goodbye. When that girl's always like, why don't you swipe right on me on Bumble? And I'm like, we have to talk about the podcast immediately. (laughs) And this is the point at which Karen Kasama says people are either in or out, where people either leave right now because they're just like fuck this or they're like i don't want to be rude and that's the dividing line which i think is really interesting you know who lives through things like this rude people yes <laughs> yeah. it is not rude to have boundaries no it is not in fact it's rude to not have boundaries yes i would say the people hosting this party are very rude exactly <laughs> exactly Paige. thank you so at this point they're like okay this doesn't feel honest it feels like you're trying to sell us something and eden goes next and she says she wants to kiss ben and says that she always has which is weird it also doesn't feel true to me it doesn't feel true, it, and it's like full tongue, and I just have in my notes that this is blurring the lines of these friendships in a very troubling way, Yeah, which is very common in cults, too. And this is where I believe it's Miguel's partner, Tom, I believe is his name, who says, I want a blowjob from somebody. I do like that he's very nondescriptive about who. He's like, I don't really care who. Don't care who. Like, anybody. oh, interesting. Cool, 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 cool. But as soon as that is like tossed out into the room, Claire gets up and she's like, I have to go. And she, hero. Yeah. Yes. She stands up and she just says, this is making me very uncomfortable. I'm sorry. I don't want to spoil anyone else's fun. I'm going to leave. Basically like, I'm uncomfortable. You guys keep doing what you're doing, but I'm going to go. Yeah, you guys do you. It's not for me, so I'm leaving. And they try to pressure her into staying, and Will steps in and is like, she wants to go, let her go. Yeah, he also tries to walk her to her car, and she declines, which made me very sad for her. I would not let someone decline in this situation. I would be like, I'm walking to your car. Yeah. And Pruitt at this point is like, oh, I parked behind you. So he ends up going out there with her and Will watches through the window till they're out of sight. Yeah, because Will's a good dude. Will's a good dude and he doesn't trust Pruitt as far as he can throw him, which turns out to be accurate. And it looks like Pruitt pulls his car out, the Prius leaves, Pruitt guides it backwards, but then he stops her. And as he does, David pulls Will away from the window and is like, hey, can we talk alone for a minute? Because you're suspicious of our hospitality and you're being rude and like you matter to us and like you're not treating this right and at this point i was like fuck politeness no apologies leave yeah don't apologize to these people also being concerned for your friend's safety is not being rude david you're absolutely right it's time for me to go 
Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And he basically apologizes and is like, well, maybe I wasn't prepared to be here tonight, but I kind of need you to understand. That's how I feel. And David tries to do this whole like, I understand that you feel this way. And he just kind of like claps back and is like, don't pretend to know what I went through. You don't know me and you can't. I mean, I feel like he does it in a nice way, sort of. He says, I don't like, pretend to know what you went through with your grief. You don't know right. what I'm going through. So leave it right. at that and shut up about it. Like he's he's very forceful, yeah. but he's not wrong. Right. And right as they're talking, Pruitt comes back into the house and he says that he tried to convince Claire to stay. She seemed to understand, but she still left anyway. And at this point in my notes, I just said, I think she's dead. Yeah. So what's the deleted scene? They pass by her body in some bushes in the last section of the movie. <sighs> that makes me so mad. So everyone goes upstairs. There's a huge feast. And Will kind of walks around the house a little bit at this point as they're all kind of eating dinner. And as we're kind of seeing through his point of view, the party seems overwhelming and crazy and loud and blurry and intense. And he flashes back to his son's birthday party when his son died. Yeah. He goes out to the backyard to get some air and he comes back in. And as he passes through a doorway in the house, he sees Sadie making faces in a mirror. She is crazy, man. This would have terrified me if I was in that house and saw this. Agreed. Uh, I think she's on hallucinogens. Oh. And that's why she's looking in the mirror. Yeah, sure. He goes back outside after she kind of catches him looking. And she comes to join him outside and makes an assumption. And she's like, things aren't great with Kira. And he's like, no, they're fine. And she's like, mm, it seems like she's distant. Yeah, she completely misreads the situation. <laughs> he's like, no, Kira's great. Yeah, it's not just that. She is actively trying to separate them. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, he's trying to make a call. And she's like, good luck. There's no service up here. She's like, but I'll wait with you. <laughs> I do love he's like, please don't. You don't need to do yeah. that. Yeah, what he doesn't even get a chance to say is, I don't know you and I need some time alone. Because she launches right into... We could have sex right here. Why should we deny ourselves? I'm, and he basically is like, you need to go back inside right now. Yeah. And she's like, you don't like me. And he says, I don't know you. <laughs> and she does this whole thing of like, I can make you beg. You could hurt me if you want. And he's like, I don't want to hurt you. Basically, I just want you to go away. Like, I, I don't know you enough to care about your presence. Please go away. <laughs> That's brutal, Paige. But yeah, that's more or less what he says. Yeah, she finally goes away. I would have gone inside, found Kira, and been like, we gotta go. We gotta leave. Yeah. Even if that's the one thing that happens at the party, be like, that weird looking woman just came outside and said some real weird stuff to me. We gotta get out of here. Legit tried to seduce you, Mikey. Yeah. So Tommy comes out to the backyard and he's talking to Will. And he's like, hey, Claire left because she's sexually awkward. We've known this about her forever. She's been our, yeah, like, it's something we know about her as a friend. And then he says, Choi is unreliable. So he probably just isn't even coming. And we're all just kind of trying to figure something out. And Will is like, this doesn't feel safe. Yeah. And Tommy's like, eh, you're letting your mind run away. You got to stop acting weird. It's freaking people out. You're safe here. And then Tommy walks away and Will looks out over the hills and his phone rings and it's a voicemail where, you know, if you've been out of service and then you yeah. walk into service, yeah. you get right. the messages. Choi called and left a voicemail. He was early, but he isn't here. He is not. So Will comes back inside. The lights go out and they bring out a cake with candles for Miguel's birthday. He blows it out and then Will confronts everyone with like, 
where's Choi? I just got a message. He was here early. Where is he? Something isn't right. I can't believe you waited this long to say it. I would have been yelling that as I ran back into the outside. <laughs> where's Choi? Yeah. <laughs> and he confronts him of like, it's a fucking cult. You've been trying to get us into a cult this whole time. And now Choi is missing. What the fuck? Yeah. What happened to Choi? Yeah. And then he reveals, he's like, hey, why are there bars on the doors? Why are the doors locked? Why is there barbiturates in the drawers? And they're like, oh, you've been going through our stuff. And he's like, fucking yeah, because you're acting weird. (laughs) And at this point, Kira gets up and is like, we're going. Like, bye. You're embarrassing me at this point. We just need to leave. Oh, I didn't even read it like that. I just read it as she was like, this is a bad situation, no matter which way you slice it. I don't think she was embarrassed. (laughs) Either... Either he's having a meltdown and we need to go, right. or he's right and we need to fucking go. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I, that's how I read it, which was like, either way this is going down, we got to get out of here. I read it yeah. like she wanted to leave immediately when she got there. She's been waiting for two hours for him to be like, hey, do you want to leave? And he didn't. So he is now giving her a, an out, and she is exercising yes. that option. <laughs> yeah. That's how I read it. The doorbell rings and Choi comes in. Yeah. Just in the nick of time to die. Just in the nick of time that he was right there and then work called and he had to go to work and then he came back. Yeah, you could say he had no choice but to leave. Oh, (laughs) no. (laughs) Anyway, I have in my notes just in all caps, you should still leave now. Yes. Uh, But they don't leave and Pruitt goes to fix Choi a plate and essentially... He's trying to still leave, and Kira is like, maybe we should go. Uh, And then instead, he apologizes for ruining the party. Pruitt comes back with food. Kira and Will basically go outside, and she's just like, let's leave. Let's just go. We don't need to be here. And he's like, hey, I'm not okay. Being here has brought up a lot of stuff about my dead son. Yeah. And it's really fucking rough and it's not good. And I don't know that it's something that you can fix and it's not fair of me to put that on you, essentially. She responds really well in this conversation. She does. Yeah. Yeah, Kira's amazing. She's like the hero of this film for me. But what drives me crazy is that he apologizes to begin with. I would be like, hey, Choi, where the fuck were you? What was going on? Like, okay, okay, cool. You just had to do some work stuff. Awesome, awesome, awesome. And if anyone had been like, hey, why did you lose your shit about Choi? I'd have been like, hey, they've been acting really fucking weird. I got a voicemail from Choi saying he was here already. Y'all can step up off my dick about this. (laughs) I did the right thing. Like, I just would not have apologized. Yeah, no, I agree. And Kira is just supportive and awesome because she's the best. She is the best. But she basically leaves him outside. She goes back to the party. Is this the conversation where she's like, I would never ask you to not grieve your son. And like, I know yes. that's a part of you. And, yeah. you know. Yeah. And, and moving forward is not a betrayal. Yes. Yeah. Oh, man. That line really uh, hit me in a way. I'll just say that. Yeah. She was so, I mean, she handled that. So I was just really touched with their relationship with that. Because, you know, she was just saying, I love you no matter what you're doing with this grief. And, like, moving forward is good, but it's not a betrayal of your son. And yeah, his grief, the grief for him will always be a part of you. And I thought that was a very mature response. Yes, it was, yeah. Mikey. Because she's been thinking about it all night to try to get him to leave. <laughs> <laughs> she's been like what combination of words do i have to say in what order for me to get the fuck out of here 
<laughs> so she she goes back to the dinner where they're having red velvet cake. Delish. And he comes back a few minutes later and is like, hey, can I go see his room? Yeah. Which, by the way, he goes and it is an office now. And through the windows of that office, he watches David go out into the backyard and light a red lantern and look over the hills. At this point, I was like, oh, everybody's dead. Yeah. That's a signal. They go to die. And Will looks around the office. It's filled with religious art from other cultures. He opens up the desk, pulls out a laptop, boots it up, and he watches another video from the group. And it's basically instructions for them to kill themselves. Yeah. Thinly veiled, I would say. Pruitt knocks on the door asking him to come back. And as he's coming back, he knows. He's like, this is bad. Everybody's going to die. That slow-mo shot of him walking back with Pruitt is ominous. Yes. I mean, Pruitt literally beats on his son's door and says, like, as he opens it, Pruitt just says, all right, let's go. And you're yeah. like, oh, shit. That was so like, oh, my God, here we go. Yep. David and Eden kiss, and they give a very strange toast that seems kind of ominous as well. And they raise their glasses. Everyone's about to drink. And then Will slaps glasses out of people's hands, but it's too late. Gina drinks it. Yeah, but when he's slapping like drinks out of people's like, like when he's saving their lives ultimately, yeah. Yeah. everyone's like, What are you doing? Stop it, stop it. And then Sadie like jumps up and is like, You ruined it and like attacks him. And yes. He, I was like, Oh my god, it's true. He like judo pushes her into that armoire or whatever, and she hits her head and falls on the ground. And at this point, I was like, Oh, here's the horror part. Yeah. <laughs> I thought it was gonna be like he accidentally killed her and they weren't poisonous glasses. I was like, Oh, that's gonna be a cheap thing. Yeah. So I, that was the misdirect I thought I think she did. And I was like, I was like, oh, no, he accidentally killed her. And then that's the horror thing. Well, as everyone rushes to help Sadie, realizing that they have no reception to call 911, they look up and realize that Gina is dead on the table. And I was like, oh, my God, this movie's so good. Like, <laughs> <laughs> well, because someone says oh, she's not breathing. And Miguel, who was with Sadie, is like, no, 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 she's breathing. They're like, no, Gina. And Gina is like laying on the table, foaming at the mouth like she's been poisoned because she has. Yeah. And this is where the doors are locked. Pruitt's super calm. And then David just shoots Miguel. Yeah, it's insane. Yep. Miguel, who is doing nothing other than just trying to help someone live. Trying to help right. Sadie. Trying to help Sadie. <sighs> well, because everyone has to die. I know. It's just It just made me so mad. Pruitt tries to calm him down. Sadie gets up. Yeah. Pruitt grabs the gun, shoots Choi, and then walks out of the room following Tommy. And everyone just kind of scatters. And it looks like Sadie gets Tommy at first, although we'll find out later that Tommy does overpower her and ultimately wound her so that she does bleed out, yeah. I believe. Um, everything is locked. Sadie is running after them. She bites Will. They lock themselves in a room, but they can't get through the glass door. And they watch as Ben makes it out a glass door a couple doors down and gets stabbed. And then Pruitt shoots him to finish the job. Yeah. And he turns to Kira and just says, listen to me. They're people. We're going to do whatever it takes. They're just other people. So they quietly leave the room that they were in. They hear Eden talking in the next room. And they hear Eden saying, we were supposed to just go to sleep. It was supposed to be beautiful. Which is a reference to Jonestown in which yeah. Jim Jones told people that it would be painless and they would just go to sleep and it would be beautiful. You know what it wasn't? 
It was any not any of those, of those things. things. Yeah. And as people started to see other people die around them, they did not want to take the Kool-Aid. And that's why they were often injected or forced to drink it, a.k.a. murdered. And so David is trying to convince her, we just have to finish now and we could be quiet and rest. And Eden is resisting. She's like, this is wrong. This isn't the way this is supposed to go down. This isn't supposed, this is supposed to happen. This isn't supposed to do it this way. And he basically takes the gun and says, come on. And they go to search the house for everyone else. Yeah. Except that Eden has been mixing alcohol and barbiturates all night. Yeah. Which is not a good combo. No, not when you're hunting your friends. No. Well, I mean, it's illegal and not good. Don't do it. It's dangerous. You definitely can't <laughs> hunt people with it. No. Yeah. She's, she's not steady on her feet and she's kind of ambles out of the room and will says to kira there's a door to the garage upstairs let's go there so they go upstairs they watch as eden stumbles further into the house they quietly leave the room but turn to find sadie on the couch with a fireplace poker covered in blood they take the poker from her she's clearly dying and has either stabbed herself or been stabbed by that poker we don't know if it's self-inflicted or not I thought David stabbed her with the knife. He may have, or Tommy stabbed her because she went after Tommy at one yeah, point. Yeah, that's true. But David has the knife later when he, he fights right. Miguel's partner. And I, I figured David just stabbed her, although we don't see it. I, I honestly don't know. I just assumed that. Yeah. We don't see it. They go upstairs armed with the poker and walk through where the dinner party was. They find out that they've literally closed up the door upstairs. So they're still trapped in the house. Oh, yeah, because there was like a movie theater room. And apparently that used to have a door to the outside, but they walled right. that up. Yeah, I got the impression right. that like used to be a garage or something, but they like made yeah. it a movie theater. So they walled up that door. Oh, so nice. <laughs> I think it was a room above the carport. Okay. 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 Yeah. 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 Kira's freaking out. So they hide and Pruitt comes upstairs to check on them. And Will swings, gets him with the poker and knocks the gun away. Pruitt hits both of them. Yeah. And he's the whole time he's telling them, don't be afraid. There's a plan for us. He tries to choke Will to death. And then Kira bludgeons him to death with a bottle of wine. And his scream is fucking terrifying. Way worse than the coyote. Oh, yeah. But this is the flip side of her not being able to do it to the coyote. And then in the moment when she needs to come through, she does yeah. it. She yeah. makes it happen. Yeah, when Kira needs to come through, Kira comes through. Yes. Yeah, I love Kira. He grabs her hand and they leave. And now it's just David and Eden around the house. Eden has the gun. She shoots Will, but she only gets him in the shoulder. Oh, my God. And then she shoots herself in the stomach mm. which is like the worst it's the worst it takes forever to bleed out that way except when mixing wine and barbiturates <laughs> like well, if, well after she shoots will she apologizes to him yeah and then shoots herself and will's like trying to comfort her and i've been like no man you divorced she just tried to murder you when she says take me to the backyard and if i was hom tardy i'd have been like well, I would have, but you shot me in the shoulder, and now I can't lift you. This is on you. I'm out. Yeah. I was so mad. Like, you're going to shoot me and then ask me to do you a favor? No. Yep. No. Well, and before they take her out to the backyard. Oh, yeah, because there's still, there's still danger in the house. Yeah, there's still danger in yeah. the house. They try to get the gun, but there's no bullets left. David's got a knife, and they tackle David down the stairs. Uh, thankfully, Tommy, Miguel's boyfriend, is still alive, so he helps 
stab David. Yes. Like, attacks him. Like, does all of the hard work here. Tommy out of left field, badass. Yeah. They all go out to the backyard. They bring Eden with them. She's still alive because she shot herself in the stomach, and it takes a, a while to bleed out. She basically confesses that she did feel pain over the death of their son, and he's just like, I feel like that almost gives him some closure from her acting like she didn't. Yeah, I mean, I think he was like, duh, also, this is insanity. Yeah, yeah, like, duh, also, this was a bad choice. <laughs> yeah, like, I'm not thinking about our son now, I'm thinking about all the people that just got murdered in front of me. Yeah. Yeah, and I'm the lone witness, and I'm gonna have to make sure that, you know, they know that I did it in self-defense somehow. That's what I was thinking <laughs> until, like, the camera zoomed out. No, more than one person survived, they'd be fine. But when she said that, I was like, yeah, this is what happens when you don't sort of deal with your trauma, and you become suicidal to a point where you want to take other people with you uh, bro you gotta deal with your trauma yeah or it's gonna deal with you yeah and that's what happens in this movie man here's the thing i do feel bad for her because the level of pain it would take for you to not only want to die by suicide but to try and take a whole house of people with you that is a massive amount of pain she is hurting a lot yeah i get that page that's a very good point if i was in that situation i would not be feeling that empathy. I was made. Oh, yeah. No, I uh, do not feel like she is a victim at all in any of this. Oh, no, she she helped orchestrate murders. She is someone who <laughs> just did not own up to what she was going through. And yes. then she was just trying to kill her friends because she didn't know what to do with her feelings. And that right. is 100% on her. So as they're in the backyard, they hear sirens. And in my notes, I was like, who called? No one was able to get through. And then as they look out over the hills, they see red lanterns light over all of the houses in those hills, or at yeah. least a fair amount of houses in those hills. And they hold hands as police helicopters sweep the hills. And, and that's, that's the, the movie. movie. So uh, having seen the movie, having talked about it, what do you guys think about it? Very good movie. Uh, don't ever want to watch it again. Yeah, I hated so much about this movie. Um, but I mean, largely because it is, I, I will say, a, a good horror movie. Like, I get it. I don't super love the ending, though. Like, I feel like it's sort of a cop out for what it could have been. But it kind of reminded me of Us. Uh, Yeah, when it like zoomed yeah. out. I didn't think the zooming out was necessary. Or as many lanterns. You could have just done like three lanterns, and I think it would have been just as effective. That's not the end I'm talking about. I mean, everything that happens after they drink the dessert wine, whatever you call that, that actually it killed Gina. Mm-hmm. I, I was like, oh, oh, okay, I guess we're just leaning into this. Yeah. And we're no longer going to address the, the trauma play that this movie was. Right. I, I think it does, in a way. Eden and David, like the juxtaposition between that couple, like living in this fantasy world where like all of the stuff they're doing is obviously unhealthy and terrible. Yeah. And they're not having honest conversations and it's not a great relationship and they're in a cult and they're killing these people is a great like juxtaposition of Kira and Hom Tardy uh, and their relationship because they're having like honest, difficult conversations about grief and yes. trauma. And, uh, I, and, and I felt like, you know, they grow closer through those conversations and you like it, see it. And the other couple leading this murder suicide grows further apart. <laughs> and mm -hmm. like, it's like a good showing of how this is bad. Yeah, and I do like that this movie shows how pe different people deal with trauma differently, right? And how outwardly the people who I think are dealing with it the best seem like they're doing the worst. Like, Hom Tardy is losing his shit at random times, and he's yeah. clearly having trouble, and he's struggling. He's talking to his friends about how he's struggling. He is probably handling the grief. He's handling it much better than his wife is, who is 
purely in this self-denial, self-destructive cycle where she is going to kill her friends and herself. Also, I just felt this film did such a great job at suspense. So yes. like, as soon as they get to the party, you know, I put my phone down. I stopped doing it because it was just like it sucked me in just because of like what is about to happen, which is great. Yeah. I think uh, Kusama does a great job in this movie. It's just really hard for me to watch. Yeah, yeah, I don't think I would watch it again either. Yeah. It just made me sad. Like, the first hour of this movie, I was, like, trying not to cry, and it almost had nothing to do with what was actually happening on screen, except for what it was reminding me of, like, stuff that I went through and, like, going to therapy for it and all that stuff and feeling the feelings that Hom Tardy is going through and, like, uh-huh. remembering, like, I slept on the couch, like, the rest of my high school life because my brother and I shared a room and I just did not want to be in that room, you know? So, like, I slept in the front room. So, like, all that stuff is, like, very real and is rough and... And like I, it just took me back to that. I did not want to be there. So once people started dying, I was like, oh, "Okay, good. We're no longer, <laughs> we're no longer gonna have to deal with that." <laughs> now we get the serious stuff out of the way. Let's talk about the big winner of this film. Oh, you mean Kira? No, I'm talking about Ben's now ex-wife. Yeah, I think she. I mean, this sounds terrible because it'd be horrible to lose a spouse, but I feel like she can do better. Dude, Mikey is like on board for some angry sex. That's what he's thinking. He's like, "Ooh, she's really good in the sack and newly single." <laughs> well, I mean, he basically cheated on her tonight, and they already hate each other. And then she's gonna be like, she's still gonna get all his life insurance and everything. I mean, like, she did it. I mean, <laughs> she won. Mikey, I like the way you look at the world. I'm an optimist. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I hope to never watch this movie again. I think people should watch it. I, I understand why, if you like horror, why you would like this movie. I think it does a great job with suspense. It's just really hard for me to watch specifically because my life has been terrible. Yeah, it's just personally hard for me to watch. Yeah. yeah. And I think for you, Paige, and I'm sure ever, everyone's been through trauma, so I'm not alone in that. But like, you also have the extra level of like knowing a shitload about cults like i do passive research about cults like i'll watch documentaries and stuff because i like it like you one of your jobs is to research shit like this so you had like you had the extra level of that too yeah well and it just means that i see it a lot faster so like yeah very early in the party i'm like oh no it's a doomsday cult yeah and they haven't even watched the video yet i'm just like get out fucking get (laughs) out yeah Paige, have you liked cult month or has this been like too too much cult has it been too real no it's it's good i wanted to have kind of a more fun one like original wicker man in it but i also think that we got a month of really really well made films like there's not a stinker among it there some of them were hard to watch but I think they were all good. So I, I, yeah, I did enjoy cult month, especially because I ended up seeing three cult movies that I'd never seen before. You're right. They're all good. I saw three movies I haven't seen. I, yeah. Cause I had only seen the endless going into this month. So yeah. I was I liked it a lot. It was good. I uh, was surprised at how much Cult Month reminded me of like previous trauma that I had been through. Um, th- that sort of unintentional. Me. Well, I mean, I did sort of grow up in a cult and stuff like that, so I expected some of it. But a lot of the trauma that I was dealing with watching these movies was actually like my brother dying and being there with him when he died and all that stuff. So like it was it was different. I thought it was going to be something else than it was. <laughs> right. It's wild, man. This month was crazy. Have you thought about just letting your grief go? (laughs) You know what I hear, Mikey? You don't really have to experience pain. It's all made up and in your head. Yeah, I'm going to text you a video I made. Oh, no. It's just me killing people. (laughs) No. It's just me killing it on dates. 
<laughs> I, let me just say this really quick because I don't know if I said it. And I want to make sure I cover it. I really like the way that Kusama. Oh, who wrote this? Was it Kusama? I have notes about who wrote it. It's it's Karen Kusama's husband and his writing partner. Oh, awesome! Well, whoever wrote this does a really good job of showing what it's like to experience trauma in the first person and see other people like who experienced it with you. Like with my family when my brother died, like everyone reacted very uniquely different, and everyone's life is very different than it was then, and it's. Super interesting to see that play out over like 20 years, like how everyone's life immediately changed in that moment. And when you're living it, it doesn't necessarily feel like that. But looking back on it, it's just nuts, like how that happens. Oh, my gosh. I have the movie just for you. That's kind of like this. It's it's called Remember Me. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my God. I hate that movie and you for making me watch it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it's just super. It's super interesting. I think it's really well done, especially the way Hom Tardy's friends react to him over mm-hmm. the two years since they've seen him. You know, they're like, "Hey, I know we should have seen you, but we haven't. I didn't know what to say, so I just didn't reach out." That whole thing. I thought that was mm-hmm. super yeah. telling. And to me, that just means like you're a shitty friend. I don't know, man. I, I having been through that and losing friends because my brother died. Like I understand. Like it hurt a lot in that moment that I felt like my friends were disinterested, and it wasn't all of them. It was just some. But I think looking back on it now with the hindsight of all the years and sort of being an adult now because I was a kid when it happened, like, I sort of get it. Like, I'm, it doesn't bother me anymore. Like, I, I understand well, how, especially when you're a, when you're a kid. Yeah, because they were kids too. Right. But looking back on it now as an adult, I get why that would have been hard for me as a kid to react, to handle my friend's trauma that way. So, like, I get it. It makes sense. But anyway, I, I thought the writer uh, and Kusama did a great job of making this come together. I just hated it and hope I never see it again. Yeah. <laughs> Largely because it's great. But Paige, do you have any fun facts for us? I have so many fun Yay! facts. Yay! Hit us with those fun facts! Dun-na, dun-na. Nice. One of the comments they got really frequently during screenings of this movie is that people were surprised that they depicted a coyote in the L.A. hills because a lot of people outside of California, I guess, did not realize that coyotes are a straight up problem in the Hollywood hills. Really? I see like, Okay, yeah. maybe that's because I follow a lot of like content creators like who are in Los Angeles. Yeah, I love the cracked group that like grew up in Los Angeles together and then have since gone their separate ways. But I follow all of them and I, I just know the coyote problem because all of them lived in SoCal for so long. It's anyway. why we all have indoor pets. Like yeah. It's a serious problem. Yeah. No joke. Earlier this year, Dan Harmon posted a video of him running out into his yard, saving his dog from a coyote attack. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I we live kind of near the foothills and as if i go driving at night you'll see them just walking across people's lawns yeah um i did mention how john carroll lynch who played pruitt uh they wrote that role for him so they good. had him in mind the entire time he's so good yeah. at it. dude his monologue about him killing his wife he's just sitting there chilling the camera is just slowly pushing in there's nothing else it's just him and he's just delivering the lines and he's just feeling it it's so good he's so good He's super Every, good. Everyone's good in this. But that that to me was like a standout monologue moment. Like, fuck, it was so good. Uh, this was not a super high budget movie. So there were actually only two dressing rooms during the shoot. One for women and one for men. But a natural segregation occurred where the people in the cult tended to group together and the people who weren't in the cult tended to group together. Nice. Okay, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. It was weird that they left in that moment when Hom Tardy peeked into the women's dressing room <laughs> when Sadie was changing. It's weird they left when it Sadie in. Sadie was yeah. pantsless. Yeah. yeah. 
let's talk about that party <laughs> game. So Karen Kusama said that they included it because inhibitions are their enemy and boundaries are their enemy, yeah. which is true. This game is specifically modeled after games played by groups like Est, which is referenced in the film, but specifically a group called Synanon, which grew out of 12-step programs of the 60s and 70s. It grew out of a Narcotics Anonymous program yeah. by, who was run by the guy who coined the phrase, today is the first day of the rest of your life, which is very interesting. Yeah. Um, Ooh, that's a good phrase. It is. Now that's a way better selling point than watching people die on a video. Yeah. Can I tell you that one of his other quotes was, I don't know why people have babies. I guess if you want to crap a football, that's your business. <laughs> Hey, listen, not everyone says 100% great things all the time. As someone who gets quoted often in our Facebook group, most of them I'm embarrassed about afterwards. I mean, let's be honest. <laughs> that's a quote a guy would say anywhere in the country or the world. <laughs> well, yeah, this, this guy was not a very great guy. He, he ended up turning their group into a very very controlling organization where the idea was that you would get sober but you never leave you always stay yeah and people would be referred to them by the state as opposed to prison so sometimes people were sent there against their will uh they are featured in thx 1138 as the background characters because at one point he made them all shave their heads um wow but one of the big things that they did was they had a game called the game and it was set up very similar to the one in this movie, but it required you to say exactly how you felt about people in the room, specifically to highlight their flaws and to give your exact feelings, right or wrong. Didn't matter if they were factual, it was just how you felt. Beatings and physical fights were encouraged. Oh, shit. It was like Fight Club? <laughs> yes, and it was designed to break people down. Now, the difference is in Synanon, the entire group is fighting against each other. So sometimes it would just be all out brawls, literal fight club. People were beaten nearly to death multiple times. That's insane. I'm interested. Yeah. The difference with large group awareness trainings uh, like Lifespring is one, Est was one. They play a different version where you have one person and everyone else says what they think of you and their impressions of you, not necessarily people that you know that know you and they even occasionally will assign blame to you for things that you believe are your problems that you want to fix. Online dating, got it. <laughs> right. So the reason I know so much of this is because our our pro bono lawyer for Cult Podcast uh, was the person who took down Synanon. <laughs> oh, no shit. That's awesome. Yeah. And he they put a snake in his mailbox. It bit him. He survived. Oh, it's a whole God. thing. Anyway, he also had had some interactions with Est at the time and then the iterations that it has become later. And he mentioned that he always had a dream of bringing in a group of Synanon game players to try and play Est's game because he was like, Est ain't got nothing on how hard Synanon went with this game. It's actually called conflict therapy. Oh, wow. Okay. okay. It's really not great. People do not come out of it great. <laughs> But that's where that comes from in this movie. Uh, they do a, a less fighty version of it. Yeah, they have a more sexy one, sexy version. Well, and that was the thing with the game in Synanon. Sometimes it could get sexy. And Ooh. you could express those feelings, but they really wanted people to be abstinent unless you were sleeping with the leader, because that's how all cults are. Wait, what? That surprises me. See, that's where cults lose me. Yeah, same. Now, we kind of mentioned that Karen Kasama sees Pruitt's story about killing his wife as the tipping point, but we also, she has some 
comments about the scene where Claire leaves the party. And she says that usually viewers end up in one of two camps. If you're one of the people that would have left the party, you usually make associations and create meaning from it and believe that she's dead. If you're the person that wouldn't leave the party, a lot of people think she lived. So interesting. it's it's really interesting that people kind of fall into one of two camps of like, if you were going to leave the party, you think she's dead. If you were not going to leave the party, maybe she's still alive. And this totally held true for me because I would have left the party. And when she when they give her so much shit about leaving, I was like, this is why they're all going to die. Yep. Uh, they filmed the birthday cake scene just a few months before copyright claims to the happy birthday song were ruled invalid. So they were unable to sing the song. Oh, they're so close. Yeah. Earlier cuts of the film featured a shot at one hour, nine minutes and 32 seconds that pulls back to reveal a dying Claire outside in the bushes. And they decided to cut it because they thought it would undercut the scene that's immediately following when the murders start. But because of how people feel about her exit, for some people, it already tips them off. Yeah. It really, it it depends on how polite you would be willing to be putting yourself in their shoes, which is kind of interesting. Yeah. So the ending was the first idea that they had for this script. And then they worked backwards from that. Oh. Which is kind of crazy. Yeah. I don't know. That makes sense to me. I feel like that's what you would do when writing this kind of thing. I mean... You probably have an ending in mind, but to work from an ending and then create the entire narrative back from that is a little more unusual because usually you would have who are your characters, where do they start, and then where do you want them to end up? And then you make choices based on the causality of those characters, and that might change your ending. Sure. That's why endings are often changed in movies more than beginnings. Right. So when they were making this movie, it ended up in development hell for a while, and It lost its original announced cast. Originally, this movie was supposed to have Luke Wilson, Zachary Quinto, Topher Grace, and Johnny Galecki. Really? Okay. Jesus. But as the movie started to lose funding and as it kind of languished in development for a while, they ended up pulling in Logan Marshall Green after his work in the movie Prometheus. And he ended up leading a cast of virtual unknowns, which I think honestly makes the movie better. I do too. Because you're not distracted by anybody. I also think it's because they're all also really good. Like if you go unknown and they're not great, that can hurt you. I think that they did a great job casting unknowns, which is sometimes a gamble. Absolutely. And because most of the film takes place at night, they decided that they didn't want to do their entire schedule of night shoots. So they tented the house where the film takes place to create the illusion of darkness outside while they shot during the day. And the only scene that they insisted that they shoot at night was the dinner scene at the center of the film which had the cast surrounded by windows. Yeah. As I mentioned, Karen Kusama is married to Phil Hay, the screenwriter of the movie or co-writer of the movie. Uh, he has also written films like Aeon Flux and the Clash of the Titans remake. So I'm going to say this is probably his best. Yeah. Yes. I would agree with and that. And those are our fun facts. Well, awesome. Thank you for those fun facts, Paige. Let's do box office. So what do you think the production budget for The Invitation was? Um, this is single location. I don't think they had a long shooting schedule. It is unknowns. I'm going to say two million. All right, Mikey, what do you think? I was going to say that too, but I'm going to go two million and one dollar. Okay, so Paige wins because it's one million dollars. Although you're both technically over. So I think by Price is Right rules, no one wins. And I win both showcase showdowns. Great. But 
The production budget was $1 million. It came out on April 8th, 2016. It did get a theatrical release. It was 38th the weekend it came out. So it was beat by movies, and I'm not going to list them all, but just to give you sort of a what we're talking about here. It was beat by The Boss, Batman versus Superman, uh, Dawn of Justice, as I think is what that movie was called, and then the not-as-quite-successful My Big Fat Greek Wedding 2 and Hardcore Henry were your top five movies that week, and then there were 32 other movies, and then The Invitation. This it, makes me sad, because this movie was marketing, and this movie would have made money, because this was a really good movie. I honestly do think it would have made money, but no one knew about it, and it was only in 10 theaters when it came out that weekend. Yeah. So what do you think it made in those 10 theaters in that opening weekend? 40 grand. <laughs> Mikey, what do you think? The 15 grand. It's actually $67,000, which is not bad. Oh, wow. It's a per theater average of $6,788, which is not bad. I mean, that would have put them right at that same level that the boss that was number one that weekend when it came out. But again, they were only in 10 theaters, not the 3,500 the boss was in. Yeah, and all the other cool film kids were seeing Hardcore Henry. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Oh boy, Hardcore Henry. Yeah, try not to throw up while watching that movie. I fail. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Makes me so dizzy. Yeah. Uh, like the idea behind it, poor execution. So, what do you think it went on to make in its entire theatrical run domestically? And I want to I want to help you out. It did get in more theaters, but it was never in more than 29 theaters. Jeez. Okay. Yeah. Uh $300,000. All right. What do you think, Mikey? 165. It did make $354,000 total worldwide. If that breaks down to $231,000 domestically and $123,000 internationally. So again, the total of $354,000. It did also make another $185,000 on the home market, but it did not make back its $1 million budget. It made close to $500,000. But I bet it got paid quite a bit of money for streaming services, which I just don't have any information on. I wish we had a service to find that with, but we don't. I know. So that is your box office. Mike, you want to hit him with that scary scale? Yeah, let's do a scary scale. Scary scale listeners are scale one to ten of how scary we found the film when we watched it for this podcast. Our one example is Ghostbusters, and our ten example is Texas Chainsaw Massacre. All right, Paige? One. This is a one for me. Todd? Uh, I don't think it's scary at all. It made me relive some stuff I didn't want to relive. I'm going to give it a three, but I don't think it's scary. I was just, like, sad while watching it. Gotcha. But that's my own shit. It's not scary. Yeah, okay. That makes sense. Uh, and I'll give it a one because, you know, whatever. Dead inside. Yeah. Dead inside. Yeah, yeah. we got it. Yeah, yeah, that makes cool. sense. Cool. Well, th that was our scary scale. It was very quick today. <laughs> <laughs> so this week, the listeners made us watch The Invitation. Mikey, I, we're entering a new month, and I you've told me what the theme is, and I'm not I've uh, Go ahead. I bogarted a month. Yes. We're going to watch movies that I found really scary when I watched them. Yes. Uh, I don't know how they hold up. It could be a... VHS kind of situation where, like, they don't age well. We're going to find out together. So we're leaning into intense, scary Mikey month, right? Yes. So Mikey movies that are actually scary is what you're saying. Yeah, like Grave Encounters. Right. That was actually scary. That did scare me. So what are yeah. we starting with for intensely scary Mikey month? The Poughkeepsie Tapes, which is a movie about tapes. It's like a found footage about a serial killer. Oh, my God. I hate found footage. I, ugh, I am not looking forward to this at all. And people have said this is a very scary movie. 
Yeah. It is disturbing. And when I say things are disturbing, they're disturbing. Yeah, because you're dead inside. That means something when you say it. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So your homework this week is to plug in your VHS player and watch the Poughkeepsie tapes. It's Poughkeepsie, right? Poughkeepsie. All right. So, Mikey, do you have a review for us to read? No, I'm lazy. Well, while you're looking one up, let me tell them how they can have their review run on the podcast. And that is simply to leave us a five-star text review on Apple iTunes. And we'll have Mikey read it. So, Mikey, whose podcast review are you going to podcast read today? Okay, I'm going to read... Okay. <laughs> I'm reading. I'm going to read the review uh, by Reasonable But Disappointed. Wait, that's their name or that's the title that's of the review? That's their name. That's oh. not even the name of the review. <laughs> okay, awesome. I got confused for a second, too. Uh, the review name is Rad. Nice. All right, cool. I just found this podcast about three weeks ago, oh. and I've already listened to 60-plus episodes. Wow, that's a lot of binging. Well done. I'm currently writing this while listening to the Scream 2 episode. <laughs> okay, cool, cool, cool. The podcast is fun, hilarious, distracting from life stressors it's in a parentheses <laughs> and you can listen while you while doing the dishes driving falling asleep or making it your primary activity and have a great time i really like that this review is like giving you tips on when you're allowed to listen to podcasts <laughs> <laughs> i was distracted on some episodes so i think that todd is obsessed with mikey's feet or mikey's obsessed it's with definitely feet. the other way around mikey is obsessed <laughs> with my feet. definitely todd obsessed with me uh, i don't <laughs> quite know uh that aside <laughs> I love the office references so much. I also enjoy that each person on the podcast seems so fun, intelligent, and adorable. Aww. I also appreciate they don't follow general stereotypes. Men can say dudes are hot, cute, and yeah. it's not weird. It's not. No pretenses. Yeah. Jen can say how beautiful, hot a woman is, and it's not weird. Love it. Free thoughts, yo. More seriously... I have and still do struggle with mental health issues, and I really Same. appreciate that they take time to address it as well as their own traumas. Oh, but boy, do I have the episode for you. <laughs> <laughs> this one. Yeah. Uh, I feel like I'm sitting with the best group of friends. Also, Mikey, if you're reading this, we're dating now. Dims the rules. Well, damn it. <laughs> That's what you get for cold reading a podcast review, Mikey. They snuck that one at the end there. Yeah. Now you're dating reasonable but disappointed, which is what they will be when they realize you're dating. (laughs) (laughs) That's amazing. Well, reasonable but disappointed. Congrats on locking Mikey down. It's something that has eluded every woman in his past. So congrats on that. And thank you so much for that five-star review. We appreciate it. So, guys, if you like this show but want to hear this power thruple on another movie review show about romance and romantic comedies, check out Romancing the Pod, where Mikey, Paige, and I break down and make fun of romantic movies. It's a lot of fun, guys. Check it out. If you want to follow us on social, please do. We are at Horror Virgin or online at HorrorVirgin.com. If you want to follow us all individually, you can do that as well. Paige is at Paige Wesley on Twitter or Rampage Wesley everywhere else, including TikTok. Mikey is at mrandolph24 and I am at Todd J. Awesome. If you like the show so much and you want to help financially support it, please do by going to patreon.com slash horrorvirgin where you can get a lot of great levels and a lot of great stuff like bonus episodes, director's cut episodes where they're a little bit longer and you get them actually a day earlier mm-hmm, than the mm-hmm. regular feed drop. We do a lot of great things like listener requests and stuff like that. So guys, check out yeah. the Patreon and help support the show. If you can't financially support the show, that's understandable, that's fine, but 
But if you want to hang out with us on the daily, join the Facebook group uh, at facebook.com slash group slash horror version. We also link it like once a week. So just find it there and join the awesome Facebook group. And literally we're in there talking every day. It's awesome. And if you want to check out our Twitch stream, we're at twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome, where we will be playing horror video games. So if you have always wondered what it would be like to watch me get scared, you can now do that on Twitch while I play these horror games. It's twitch.tv slash Todd Awesome. Guys, check it out. It's a lot of fun for you. Not a lot of fun for me. And guys, we got a P.O. box. So if you want to send us some love letters or whatever you might send to a P.O. box, it's actually not a P.O. box. It's like a regular street address. It's pretty awesome. It's 6688 Nolensville Road, number 108-34, Brentwood, Tennessee, 37027. So send us some stuff. Yeah. This episode was brought to you by Nick Nick B. Nick B, fun fact, he sent me an invitation once, but it was in England, so I never went because that's a really far way to go for dinner. Yeah, it's it's mm. really far away to go for dinner. I would say worth it, but, you know. This episode also brought to you by Ori. Ori. And Ori and I were at this party just chilling, sort of hanging out, having a good time. And then someone made us watch a video where someone died at the end. And then we started playing this weird game. One of our friends kissed another one of them. One of them asked for Coke. One dude asked for a blowjob. And Ori was like, oh, fuck this shit. I am out. And we left. So, Ori, thank you so much for getting me out of that situation that we both know we wanted to leave much, much sooner. Thank you so much, Ori. This episode also brought to you by Awesome Possum Blossom And Awesome Possum Blossom wants me to give you some awesome possum facts So here's one for you And Mikey, I'm going to keep it short Are you ready? Uh Uh-huh Possums can grow up to 40 inches in length About the size of a house cat Oh, I love this fact Thank you Short and sweet, baby That's what I'm talking about This episode also brought to you by Brandon's Bug Business Brandon's Bug Business is actually called Bug Cage Company on Facebook And they can hook you up with any centipede, millipede, or any other repede that you might a miller need For any pranking or practical purposes Reach out to Bug Cage Company on Facebook and they will ship you some bugs This episode also brought to you by the letter Jeff And Jeff has a (laughs) podcast that you should check out called Kissing Jessica Jones Where each week they break down an episode of Marvel? It's Marvel, right? Marvel's Jessica Jones Netflix TV show. And then they kiss her. This episode (laughs) also brought to you by Taco Cat. And Taco Cat wants you to check out his podcast, What the Bartender Shook at You. What was it called, Mikey? Oh, it's called What's New Barkeep. Or as I like to think of it, What's New Barkeep? Whoa, whoa, whoa. I think they should rename it to What's Shookin' Barkeep's Bartender. (laughs) What's your barkeep shaking at you, dick wise? Um, (laughs) Taco Cat's podcast is about him and his friends uh, drinking new... Concoction every week and talk about their life and the drink. So, guys, check out that podcast. I'm sure it's great. Taco Cat's a wonderful dude or woman. We don't know who Taco Cat. Taco is. Cat's oh, a, a wonderful house cat and or food. Check out their podcast. <laughs> <laughs> we now return you to another crowdsourced episode of the, the Patreonicals. On Patreon, I let the patrons vote on some stuff, but I couldn't figure out how to make a poll on my app. At the time. Yeah, it's very it's really difficult, Mikey. What you do is you select the option for poll. I have an option for poll that you can have. You walked <laughs> right into that one. <laughs> yeah, he did. So, guys, if you want to uh, be involved in what happens in the Patreonicals, it sounds like all you have to do is sign up and Mikey will learn how to use Patreon better and figure it out. Or the Internet oh. or whatever. I'm having a lot. Of, I'm like I'm having a lot of like moments where I'm feeling older at work. where I'm like, this technology doesn't work. I miss telephones and I'll just like smash something. Man yells at cloud. <laughs> Mikey, please continue with the Patreonicals. Everybody's in space. All right. 
Come back next week to find out what happens in space <laughs> on the Patreonicals. Okay, okay. Oh, best episode ever. System has transformed into a space shuttle. Yes. And he's like, we're going to go to the, he decides, he's like, he doesn't speak up a lot, but he's, today he's like, look, if we're going to chill out in space and we have supplies, I guess, uh, let's go to the moon. So I'm headed there. So he just like heads off towards the moon. Yeah. I mean, he's flying. He controls where they go. Yeah. Yeah. I think we're down with that because Amy and Tristan are working together. They're like flying the, like Tristan's a space shuttle, but Amy's like helping him. Like this is the orbit you got to take and space astronaut stuff. Right. Yeah. So Amy, Amy like plots the course or whatever. I don't know. This is like, I mean, we could do some Star Trek stuff. And she's like, make it so. And then, and then uh, <laughs> I'm sorry. you could vote on the quality of this Adrianical. <laughs> and um, Sasha uh, and is talking to Kate. And she's like, I think, Kate, you used your telekinesis to get out of really weird situations way too much. And it was like an overly used plot device. And that's why you got depowered. Yeah. Someone might uh, say it was a crutch. Yeah. And like, who do you think you are? You think you're better than everyone else in the Patreon? Wow. Wow, that escalated wow. quickly. Yeah. Damn. So then Kate slaps her in the face. Okay. And uh, later on, she's eating. Um, <laughs> what's the space ice cream? Dippin' dots. Yeah, dippin' dots. And she gives her dippin' dots, and she's like, "I've moved on from this, and so should you." <laughs> <laughs> Are they in some sort of space cult? <laughs> and then uh, the Pythons and Eddie are really awkwarded out about their interaction. And so the Eddie's like Pythons to me. And they all wrap around Eddie so he doesn't have to look at or be a part of the awkwardness that's in the space shuttle. <laughs> So wait, why were they, what was awkward about the way they were? Because he was like in the room watching Kate slap <laughs> Sasha. Oh, okay. I thought you meant like the interaction between the Pythons and Eddie. My bad. Sorry. No, 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 no. Eddie was like, Pythons to me. I don't want to be in, on this party anymore. And so they all wrap around him. And so he just, <laughs> I just have to talk to people. Yeah, yeah, Because you know, sense. he's really good with the animals, but not people. So on, on the other space, the space uh, saucer where Isaac and Dave and Karoon and Evil Matthew are. Uh, Karoon's not was not captured by Taco Cat because Taco Cat wanted a different shout out. They were ta- <laughs> they were captured by Domosaurus. Ah, Karoon's I would say bookie. And so Karoon owns Wait, him a lot of I'm space. Sorry, would you say it or is he a bookie? Like I'm I, I have all the questions right now. The well in space it's a different concept and it's like really complicated, but oh. like the best way to explain it to your tiny mind human brain would be bookie. Wow. Okay. Tiny mind human brain. <laughs> and so Domosaurus is like, Karoon, did you think you could run away and not pay me the debts you owe me? And Karoon's like, I Got kicked out of the murder dome. Murder dome? Murder dome. And Munt. it blew up and I got <laughs> trapped on Earth. And these like really weird and violent individuals that are with me have kidnapped me. And I don't have any money. And then uh, evil Matthew gets really hurt by this. And he's like, he's like, wow, this is why, why would you talk bad about me like that? And um, <laughs> he's like cries so much that he just turns and he just stabs dave in tears because he's just so disappointed he stabs someone in tears like how does that work well it's dave so he's gonna come back yeah yeah dave, dave yeah they've just all gotten used to like that dave dies and comes back and they've used it to like for their feelings okay all right so he is just like the emotional support dave 
Yeah, I feel weird about that having said it, but all right. <laughs> and then um, Domosaurus is like, look, these are all of my minions. And they're like the little gray aliens from X-Files. Grays, you mean? The grays, grays. yes. Uh-huh. And Isaac eats one because he's like, I'm not going to be putting up with this shit. I, I, so he eats <laughs> one and he's like, get me back to Earth or whatever. So um, <laughs> he does eat one. But Dimasaurus, there's a big fight. There's just a big fight. And um, right. Tristan is like, we got to get out of here. And he's like, let's go back to the ruins of the Munderdome. And he pushes a button while Dimasaurus and Isaac are fighting and they are headed towards the moon. Oh, and that's that's it. I think I feel like that was a good episode. Oh, you do? Yeah. That's an interesting take. I feel like Aaron Sorkin right now. Did they walk and talk across the surface of the moon? (laughs) (laughs) I just have one question this week, and that is simply, is it possible that Mikey doesn't realize that it's called Moonderdome because it's on the moon? He keeps calling it Munderdome. (laughs) I forgot that that's why I called it that. It's on the moon, Mikey. It's on the moon, Mikey. It's called Munderdome. I named it. I know I named it, too. Oh, man. We'll find out next week on another episode of uh, The Patreonicals. In space. Oh, now with extra space. That's going to be it for us, you guys. I'm Paige. I'm Mikey. And I'm your horror version, Todd. And keep it ooky spooky. Yeah. Have a great week. Bye. Did you guys see there's a full mun tonight? (laughs) 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 Idiot. (laughs) 